pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome in. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. How are you? Welcome in. A lot to cover here in the next three hours. We have Adam Schefter all pissed off about something that I don't even understand why he's all fired up about. I, I find his, his rant about the NFL draft moving forward is a little hypocritical, if you ask me. I'll explain why coming up here in just a moment. Yesterday in the tail end of the show, we touched on NFL playoff expansion. I didn't. I really was not aware that there were so many people against this. I thought that it was a good thing for the NFL. I pointed out why I thought playoff expansion was not a good idea for sports in general, but I didn't have an issue, per se, with the NFL choosing to go that route. And we'll touch on that today as well. By the way, uh, if things were, if we were living in a normal world. We would be talking about the Cincinnati Reds getting set to take on the Blue Jays tonight in what would be their sixth game of the year. We would be talks thing, and I don't know how you could say that this is being overblown, but that's a conversation for later. My point is is that the one thing that you keep hearing people say a lot who are against this are saying that everything that we are over-exaggerating everything. Everything is being overdone. Uh, we are over- we're shutting down too many businesses. Do I want businesses open? Yes. Do I want to live? Yes. Do I want my family members to live? Yes. Do I want my friends and coworkers, colleagues, family, everybody to live? Yes. Uh, if these are measures that are being taken to keep everyone safe, you know what? You just got to deal with it. You, you got to deal with it because I think that uh, if we don't handle this correctly, the ramifications could be a lot worse than, oh, man, I don't get to go to my favorite burger joint for the night. Uh, but that's, uh, again, besides the point. My point is is that we are hearing a lot of people say things like, oh, man, this is being way overblown. Well, you want to know what I think is way overblown and what is being very overdramatic is Adam Schefter's take on the NFL draft. Here's Adam Schefter. Uh, I believe on ESPN's Get Up earlier today, talking about how the NFL is handling the NFL draft moving forward. By the way, the NFL draft that can be done with zero fans in attendance that, to my knowledge, does not impact or hurt anybody, I don't understand it. Here's Adam Schefter in what I consider to be a huge overreaction. And we all hope that it happens, frankly. We all want that back. We all want to see the days where we have that distraction of football. But OTAs, that's no not job. happening. Yeah. The off-season program, that's not happening. The draft is happening only through the sheer force and determination and lack of foresight, from, oh, frankly. I mean, they are determined to put this on. Well, there is carnage in the streets. Carnage in the streets. This coming from the guy that covers the NFL that had no problem covering free agency, that has no problem getting up every morning and doing live reports from his basement or his kitchen on ESPN's Get Up or ESPN's First Take or whatever it is that they're asking him to do. This guy all of a sudden has an issue with something going on that, I mean, like, so what? We're not allowed to enjoy something that is not impacting anybody. There's going, there's, there's not going to be a stage. These players and their families are not going to be flown all over the country. They're not going to be flown out to Vegas. They're not going to be put in a position where they're going to, you know, risk someone else's health or theirs. So what the hell's the problem? I, I, I don't get this. Of all the things to have an issue with, I think Adam Schefter comes across very hypocritical here. 
Like, what is the difference between talking about NFL free agency? I think what it comes down to is he is very limited. Like, I think what he wants and what you're starting to see is his frustration because of the limitations that he is able. He's he has a ton of limitations on how he is able or not able to do his job. So I get that. I would have rather him come out and just said, look, selfishly, I don't want the draft to happen like this. I want, I would like the NFL to push it back. I would like them to have the NFL draft in a normal setting uh, because selfishly, my job, you know, you know it, it's, I'm able to conduct my job better that way. I cannot conduct my job covering the NFL draft from my kitchen. Just say that. But you come across as an ass trying to make, every, make this sound like, oh, there's carnage in the streets. I am. I know the severity of what is going on in our country, and forget our country, our world right now. I get it. But you can't say something like that and then yet wake up every morning and put your stupid little suit on and go on television every day and try to... I mean, you can't, you can't talk it about both sides of your mouth. You cannot sit there and say that, oh, sports is a great escape for those to kind of have a little bit of a distraction during these tough times, but then say that the NFL draft is hypocritical because they're going to hold the draft during a time that there's carnage on the streets. I don't, I, I don't understand his take. I don't understand his side whatsoever. Four five seven nine four six four, And I thought that he was a little out there, but then I, I'm, I'm following social media all day. There seems to be a lot of people on social media that believe this, that believe that the draft should not happen as is. And the question is why. Four five seven nine four six four. Give Shay Neal a call, and we'll get you uh, queued up on the show, and we'll be able, uh, you know, to get some of your takes here this afternoon. Again, four five seven nine four six four. You can also tweet into the show. Twitter is at fourteen ten Kinner. That's at fourteen ten Kinner K I N N E R. But definitely, really really confused as to what the exact issue is here. I mean, the draft puts nobody at risk. And let's be clear, the only re- I mean, is will, will the draft be as entertaining? I don't know if it's not entertaining is the wrong word to use. Will the draft be as interesting? I believe so. I'm not a Bengals fan, but I cannot wait to finally hear them utter the words with the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow. Like that, you know what I mean? I can't wait for that. I don't care if it's on an iPad feed. I don't care if if it's you know from Roger Goodell's basement. I don't care if it's on a stage in Vegas with you know millions of people there during a regular time. I don't care, but I don't have that heart of an opinion with that. But I do believe that this draft should happen. But if he's going to have that take and people have this take that the draft should not go on because there's carnage in the streets, then I need to turn my mic off. First take needs to turn their show off. Get Up needs to turn their show off. Uh, The hosts in Cincinnati need to turn their show off. We all just need to turn our shows off because I don't know how we're doing this job when there's carnage going on in the streets. 457-9464. Cool Paul. Cool Paul. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, buddy? Good. It's been a while. What's up, man? Man, I, I told him the Adam Shepard is an idiot. <laughs> number, n- number one, I don't even think you know what the word carnage is. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, it's really not in the... St- I, I don't know, man. It, right. It's interesting. And, and, and number two, I'm like you. You could do the draft over any kind of medium you want to. I mean, if, if you draft a guy, he could be on a podcast from his house. You know, Cincinnati uh, drafted Joe Burrow, cut the Joe Burrow at his house, wave everybody, I'm glad to be here, and that's that. No, and, and let's be clear here. Those are There's some fans out there that believe, that, man, no, you can't have the draft if, if it's not going to be on the stage. The only reason the draft got as big as it did to be able to put it in a position where cities can bid on it is because it was such a big deal just being this boring setup. Like, you oh, know, yeah, uh, people tuned in for it, man, regardless of where it's at. They had, they had, they made the people a lot of money. 
that was the number one driver. You have the NFL draft in their city, you guarantee millions of dollars. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I think in this time of age, whether you like it or not, they can just do a satellite feed and that's that. Why he thinks you got to be there, I don't know. And I personally, I'm really tired of all these idiots on YouTube giving their personal opinion about some all these celebrities and stuff, and they usually don't even have a, a inkling of how normal, regular, everyday people live. No, oh, absolutely, because when they talk about the, and in my opinion, and I agree with you, when you're talking about celebrities and millionaires like Mark Cuban, by the way, I really do respect Mark Cuban's approach to this. I think he's been very, he's been very available to the media, and he was very proactive right. in taking care of his personnel uh, in Dallas. But it's like, okay, when you are a billionaire like that, like I don't like when I hear those guys say, oh yeah, you know, we're all in this together. Their pain in this is not the same as ours because when their team shuts down, they still got billions in the bank. You know, if our job shuts down. A lot, I mean, how many people in this city alone are living paycheck to paycheck and are being impacted by this? So oh, right. I just, they can't you know, relate. They cannot relate. There's no way. Yeah, like, like you said, when it first came out, Tom Hanks and his wife, they got it in Australia. So they probably, well, put us up to the best hotel for another three weeks. We'll stay here. <laughs> they're, not wor- they're not worried about getting back paying rent, DPNL and stuff like that. These guys living in a bubble, then they're getting on YouTube kind of, we're all in this together. Was that your maid cleaning up in back of you? We're not all in this together. I agree. Now, with that being said, it does not mean that it does not give them fear or anxiety or concerns. And, you know, they are human beings, too. But, no, I, I'm, I'm right. on your side when I hear them say, oh, we're in this together. Yeah, we're all experiencing the same thing together, but we're not in this together because everyone's uh, yeah. way of life is different. So basically, money, money in America separates what you really can do and what you can't do. Absolutely, and man. For, I mean, and, I, and I'm really, I usually like Scheffler. But I think his ego got control of him. Just like you said, he can't do his regular, everyday stuff. So now he's trying to drum up some controversy, some publicity. You know, uh-huh. he's trying to get 10 minutes of frame. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say this crazy stuff and see how many people respond. Then I'll be on TV. Well, but that's the other thing too. If he would have just come out and said, I would have respected that. If that's this, if that's the reason he's so fired up about this because he can't cover it the way he's accustomed to, I think us as human beings can relate to that because we are all. I mean, all of our jobs are being impacted in one way or another. Right. And I feel bad right. for those who have lost their job, but those who still have a job, they're not doing their job the same way. They're having to do their job out of their comfort zone. I'm doing the show from my kitchen right now, which I kind of enjoy, but I'm going to get annoyed of it very quickly here. Uh, but you know what I mean? We're all working outside of our comfort zone wait, right now, so I, I can relate to it. Are you sure your wife's not going to annoy you before you get annoyed at the job? Well, I told her to make sure she got all her stuff done in the house before I started the show, so I have her locked in the room with the dogs right now. So. <laughs> uh, I hope she ain't listening to this on the radio, buddy. You have a good week, buddy. Congratulations on your show, though. Thank you, I, cool, I'm Paul. Sorry lost, I'm sorry we lost our buddy, but cause I really enjoyed you guys. But congratulations, my friend. Thanks so much, cool, Paul. You take care. Adios. Talk to you later, buddy. Four five seven nine four six four. If you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station fourteen ten, Wing AM. And if uh, you missed it, uh, here we we can air it again for you. Adam Schefter just kind of went on a weird rant. And it, by the way, I found out uh, this just came in to me. It wasn't on Get Up this morning. It was actually on Scott Van Pelt ESPN Sports Center at midnight last night. So it was the later one. Uh, but one more time, if you're just tuning in, here's Adam Schefter late last night that kind of led to a lot of this conversation throughout the day. And we all hope that it happens, frankly. We all want that back. We all want to see the days where we have that distraction of football. But 
OTAs, that's no not job. happening. Yeah. The all-season program, that's not happening. The draft is happening only through the sheer force and determination and lack of foresight from both, frankly. I mean, they're, they are determined to put this on while there is carnage in the streets. Carnage in the streets! Dramatic much, my friend. And uh, I'm not downplaying the severity of what's going on in our world. It is severe. It is carnage. Uh, but I just I don't want to hear it from an NFL reporter. I don't want to hear that we should not have an NFL draft. Now, if his opinion was we should not, like if the NFL was being stubborn, and yeah, that's the other thing, folks. If the NFL was trying to put on this NFL draft in Vegas, you know, against all the wishes of all the, you know, health professionals out there and everything and all the governors and president, everybody, that's one thing. But no one's they're, the NFL is totally adjusting how they're doing the draft, so it's not going to be the same thing. No one's at harm, so I don't get it. I don't. I think it's selfish on his part to come out with a take like that because the only one he's worried about is himself when it comes to his limited access to being able to report from the NFL draft, because that's that's how those guys, you know, create their their brand. I mean, they're known for being the know all end all when it comes to the behind the scenes stuff of the National Football League. It's kind of hard to do that. When you have your laptop and iPad open in your kitchen and you have the same type of access to stuff that we do, maybe they have more direct access, but you see my point. Uh, 457-9464, should the NFL draft go on or would you like to see them kind of hold off on it to maybe potentially see if they could get the, the draft live in Cleveland or wherever it's supposed to be? Or in Vegas, I'm sorry, Vegas or Cleveland's next year, but in Vegas, I just, I, get it done. We all need something live right now. I'm excited for that. Between the Michael Jordan documentary coming out on the 19th and the NFL draft coming up later this month, does, does considering the circumstances, April's not a you know terrible month considering the circumstances with what's coming up. Tony and Beaver Creek, what's up, man? Man, Tony, call back. You're cutting out. Tony and Beaver Creek, call back. I heard you start, and then I could not hear you the rest of the way. So give us a call back. I promise you, I'll, I'll speed you up back to the front of the line. But yeah, four five seven nine four six four. Twitter uh, is at fourteen ten Kenner at fourteen ten Kenner K I N N E R. Uh, we'll pick up with more of this on the other side of the break. Adam Schefter. There's chaos. There's carnage in the streets. I agree that there's chaos and carnage in our world, but uh, it has nothing to do with the NFL draft. I promise you that much. We'll be back in a moment. The Cleveland Browns. Well, the Cleveland Browns are doing, they're trying to out-Bengals the Bengals. I never thought I'd say that. I actually mean it in a good way. We'll talk about that next. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. on what that game is. Also, a week from Saturday, every Saturday at noon, for you Buckeye football fans, we will be doing the same, airing a Buckeye Classic. Uh, so, this Friday night, we will start, we'll, we will begin carrying our Reds Classic, and then a week from Saturday, we will begin carrying our Buckeye Classic at noon. Uh, but how cool is that? Uh, you know, I, I thought about it, I'm like, you know, there's no live games on, I get that, and uh, but right now, with it warming up, and it getting a little nicer outside, I know we're not allowed to be out, but uh, it's a great opportunity with the weather, you know, warming up to Get a lot of home projects done, and if you're working in the garage or working outside or just working around the house, just to be able to hear Paul Keels, to hear the the, the Buckeye game in the background, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, the sun's out, it's you know 65 degrees, you're out mowing the yard or whatever it is you're doing, 
just to be able to hear Buckeye football in the background is pretty cool. So we're going to be starting that a week from this, a week from Saturday, our WING Buckeye Classic. Uh, and again, we'll have more information on what our first Buckeye Classic game will be here in the days to come. But we're excited to at least be adapting and being able to bring you some of that content. We should be talking about real Reds games, of course. If the season was, uh, you know, if we were on a normal schedule right now and we were not dealing with this pandemic, we would be potentially previewing the Reds and Blue Jays tonight. Uh, we would be talking about the sixth game of the season. We would potentially be talking about, assuming that Luis Castillo was the opening day starter, we would potentially be talking about him heading into his second start of the season. Um, unreal. Unreal. But uh, that's something we'll keep in mind moving forward. But, Shay, let, let's see. That would have been what? Six, so tonight would have been six games. You got the yeah. Cardinals for three, right? Yes. So uh, to open up, and then the three with the Blue Jays. So, yeah, this would be the series finale. You can hear me Toronto. back there, correct? Yeah. yeah All right, cool. Keep going. Uh, yes, I believe this would be the series finale. I don't have the schedule pulled up. No, it is. I'm telling you it is, Shay. Just okay. take my word okay. for it. Okay. Now, come on. What the hell's wrong with you? But, yes, so <laughs> right now Toronto's a on-the-rise team that doesn't have a ton of great pitching. The Cardinals, obviously, are probably the Reds' biggest competition in the division this year. So if I had to guess, I'd probably be leaning at like three and two right now. Um, four and one, I think, would be best case scenario, and two and three would probably be worst case scenario. But if I had to guess, I'd probably say three and two with a chance to maybe win two out of three against Toronto tonight. So you're saying, I believe they get a win on opening day with Luis Castillo. On Absolutely, the I think Castillo outduels John, uh, Jack Flaherty on opening day. But the second game would have been with Sonny Gray on the mound. And the third would be with Bauer. Uh, I'm trying the to... The red sweep of the Cardinals, man. I don't need this, you know, this extra negativity. And it's it's extremely possible because the Cardinals' second best pitcher is out with a shoulder injury and their third best pitcher is 38 years old. So that's extremely possible. The Reds would have swept the Cardinals to open up the season. And with those could, three pitchers, with the buzz and excitement. And you could make a valid argument that they could still be undefeated because Toronto's really only... Plus, they have two plus pitchers, and that's Hinjun Ryu, who they got from the, uh, the Dodgers for to be their ace, and Tanner Roark. And if the Reds were playing uh, three against Toronto, it would be their four, five, and their one. So they'd be facing Ryu tonight, but they would have faced their four and their five. So it's possible that the Reds, you could argue, would be 5-0 and oh going into this game. Yeah, I know, and that's the thing, too, but you get into Wade Miley, you're getting into the, you know, Di Scafani. Fours and fives are a toss. Those are the yeah. wild cards mm-hmm. right there. Um, those are the wild cards right there. I think I think you're always going to split with those two. If we're talking about the season underway, I think I think you win two of every three from the front half of the rotation, mm-hmm. and I think you split with the back half of and the rotation. That's, that's exactly So that's, you're winning three of five. And that's big because if you, if you can win three out of every five games that your rotation goes out, no matter who gets the wins – I mean, you think about it, towards the end of the year, they're, what, they're sitting at 90, 90, 90 and 60, 150 games in. That's a playoff team if you win three out of every five all year long. And I think that Reds rotation's more than capable of winning three of five and maybe even four out of five when they really hit their hot streak. But there's no baseball. Unfortunately. And there's no Reds Blue Jays tonight. We don't know when it's coming back. <laughs> this there was supposed to be in Yankee yeah. Stadium in a couple weeks. And, that, and by the way, thank you for, for segueing into that because that was my next key right there. When you look at the the month of games, and I my laptop's freezing up. I don't have the full schedule in front of me. But April I, was when, tough. I, when I looked at it earlier today, the most disappointing matchup that we are not going to get to see, and even if there is a truncated season, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to make up interleague play games. It'll probably be mostly divisional games. It's going to be divisional games that they're making up, or at least National League games mm-hmm. in general. They're not going to go... To make up the playoff yeah, spots, yeah. They're, they're not going to make up the interleague games, uh, which is disappointing. They might let them play the Indians, but that's probably about it. And, and this goes back to my whole point about why I hate Major League Baseball with how it, it does its schedule. 
it's rare to get to see the Reds go up against the Yankees. And then for the first time in a long time, the Reds have a roster that can go you know, toe-to-toe with the Yankees. Uh, and they could have gone to Yankee Stadium and won at Yankee Stadium. I think that would have been really unique. You could have had the storyline of Sonny Gray returning to New York with mm-hmm. a lot more confidence and with his new team. And right. and uh, th- there was that storyline. There's the storyline of, you know, Aaron Boone, uh, you know, manager of the Yankees right there. So that would have been cool to, right. to see that, you know, return. Chapman right pitches against the Reds for the first time in a while. Well, what the hell? Chapman bulked up. He looks like... He looks he, he looks like he has a couple Astros players he wants to have a conversation No, he, he looks like he, he's... You know, doing his best. Uh, I grew up in the nine. I played baseball in the nineties impersonation. I mean, he bulked the hell up. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know, and I'm curious if that helps him or not. I don't know how. how it, like, I know how big he looks now, but you don't know how big these guys look as far as you know how jacked up they are. Yeah. Um, when they're not in their jersey, but right now he looks bigger than ever. But it, he's it's all it's not weight that he put on. I mean, he lifted weights. Yeah, and that's, that. and that's an interesting conversation to have because I'd be curious to talk to a guy like Michael Lorenzen who's also extremely built about if you know, putting that much he's muscle on. He's extremely overrated. I don't care about Michael Lorenzo. Well, if, how, putting, I know you love Michael Lorenzo, but putting, I'm the overrated. I'd say I like him. I wouldn't say I, I, Amir Garrett's my favorite bullpen guy. But um, that's fair. And uh, but I think uh, it'd be interesting to talk about those guys that are built a little more than other pitchers and other and stuff like that. About if it really adds velocity or if it if how much what it does to them in terms of helping their uh, their skill on the mound. But yeah, Chapman looks great. Uh, but I'm. Also, uh, it's it's unfortunate that they won't be able to make the trip to Yankee Stadium because I think my favorite storyline was the one you brought up where Sonny Gray, the last time he was in Yankee Stadium, he got booed out of the stadium. Well, he was told he was so overrated. I, mean, I remember how good he was what, with the A's before yeah. and over there. And how many Yankee fans were there on Twitter when that trade was announced just laughing, saying that the Reds just got one of the worst pitchers in baseball? And then and to go back to Yankee Stadium, I don't know if he would have won in Yankee Stadium. The Yankees are great, but this is a this is a drastically different pitcher than the Yankees ever saw in Yankee Stadium. I don't want no excuses. This is a Red team that's expected to win. Yeah. I would I expect Sonny Gray to go in there and win. Yeah, I, I expect expe- you to go in there and win. The Reds for the first time in six or seven years. That's what's so great about this roster. They have three pitchers at least, and you could argue Di Scalfani at this point because of how much development he's had. Three pitchers at least, where every time they take the ball, you expect to win that night. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Give Shay a call back in the studio. The question we have is right now we're only this would be the sixth game of the season. Reds and Blue Jays tonight. Does it feel like you're missing out on Reds baseball yet? Like, cause, I mean, I'm not going to lie. All of the talk of no baseball stressed me out through the entire month of March, but we hadn't even got to the point to where the season had technically started. Last Thursday was supposed to be the opening day, uh, and we carried the Reds' 2019 opening day game. But I am curious, 4579464, does it feel like at that point we hadn't missed any games? We had talked as if we were missing all of these games and everything, and we're talked as if, man, if we don't hurry up and get the season started, the season can end. We technically hadn't even gotten to the point where the season started. Now we have, we're supposed to be six games in, or five games in completely. Six would be tonight's game against the Blue Jays if the schedule was on. I'm curious from Reds fans, does it feel like you are missing out on games already? And right now, what is the number one thing in the month of April that you feel you are missing out on for, for when it comes to the Reds. For me, I feel like it's the Yankees series. That Yankees series was big time. It was at New York. I would have loved to have seen this Reds team, okay, with the expectations about, around this group, with the pitching, uh, with the firepower in the lineup. I would have loved to have seen what the Reds are made of going to New York and going head-to-head with the Yankees. We'll take your calls and your reaction as to what you feel you are missing out on the most when it comes to Reds baseball here in the month of April. We'll be back in a moment. 
just because there are no... Back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Earlier today, Caleb Weston of the Ohio State Buckeyes announced that he has declared for the 2020 NBA draft and that he will partner up with an agent moving forward. And this is, uh, you know, around this time, a lot of times it's hard to decipher which players are testing the waters and and which ones are actually going, you you know, diving into the deep end. Uh, Jalen Crutcher announced for the Dayton Flyers last week that he, of course, was going to, he was declaring for the NBA draft. They got to find a way to rephrase that, by the way. I'm not talking about the players, but they, I don't like when I'm declaring for the NBA draft. Like declaring for the NBA draft should mean that, hey, I am you know, 100%. I'm declaring for the draft. I'm going to the NBA draft. Um, but I, I think a lot of players, like they do that, like Jalen Crutcher, like this is why I don't know what to make of it. Like he, he had that whole graphic made up. He has a little signature at the bottom. It was this heartfelt, kind of like a goodbye to everybody, but he didn't sign with an agent, and I still think he's going to be back. But I'm not accusing Crutcher of this. I'm just saying I think players do this. Players love attention. They love the social media attention. They love the attention from their peers, their friends, their family. And there is no uh, cooler way to get that attention than saying, hey, I'm declaring to go pro. I'm declaring to go to the NBA draft. Jalen Crutcher, if, you are not, if you're going to just test the waters and get a grade and you plan on coming back, I don't think we really need one of those little signatures and the little goodbye letters. I, just, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, Caleb Weston put one out today, but he's... You know, I don't mind his because he's bidding farewell and thanking the fans and Buckeye Nation because he announced that he's signing with an agent, which means you are foregoing your NCAA eligibility at that point. So I don't mind it. I just don't like, like I said, like I just want them to change the phrasing of what is what is considered declaring for the NBA draft because you're not declaring for the NBA draft if you're just going to go test the waters and see what kind of grades you get and what the scouts are telling you and they're going to tell you what, what you know what are the chances of you actually getting drafted. So you do that little goodbye letter, you sign it at the bottom, you post it on social media, you make it look all official, and then in a couple of weeks you're going to make your return. I don't like that. I don't like it. Um, do I want Crutcher to go to the NBA? No, it's not that I want him to leave the Flyers right now. I want him to be drafted. I want him to have success in the NBA. I don't know what uh, where he kind of ranks right now as an NBA prospect. I think that his status and and that uh, his stock is at an all-time high because you're coming off of a year where you were the, you know, the second best player on the number three team in the country, and you got a lot of eyes on you because of Obi Toppin. Now you can argue, okay, well, did Obi Toppin make Crutcher, or how much? And we know Obi's the real deal. Don't get me wrong. How much of Jalen Crutcher was Jalen Crutcher with Obi Toppin, and how much of Obi Toppin was Obi Toppin because of Jalen Crutcher? Like those are the questions you got to ask. And I think that that question is a legit one, and I think that is a question that is going to be asked throughout this process, and I think that's a question that needs to be answered by Jalen Crutcher next year with the Flyers. Um, 
And I think that you do have to be concerned a little bit only because if that transfer rule does happen where you are allowed to transfer without penalty, you could see him bounce too. And it doesn't mean it's for the NBA. I think he's as good as a flyer next year. All I'm saying is, is and this is, I'm not beating up on Crutcher. I'm beating up on all players who do this because I think it's just for attention. Um, it's just, a, hey, look at me. I'm declaring for the NBA draft. I know I'm not going to the NBA, but I'm doing it because it looks cool. I could put it on my Instagram account. I could tweet it out. I could put it on Facebook. That's awesome. Um but again, not not signing with an agent. I respect that decision to go test the waters. But then don't announce that you're declaring for the draft. Don't announce that. Don't waste everyone's time with that. Caleb Weston, I have no issue with him doing that, mainly because, um, you know, it is what it, you know. He's going to the NBA. And by the way, I don't think Weston will be as good as a G League player next year. Uh, I respect Weston for his ability. You know, for his work ethic and the and the fact that he went and lost a ton of weight. Remember last year, just always looked out of shape, did not look like he was in, in basketball shape whatsoever. I think that's honestly really what led to his improvement from one year to the next and not you know, and staying out of foul trouble. You know, last year he was just a walking foul, and a lot of times it's because he was so out of shape that he was not he didn't have a quick first step. He wasn't able to recover quick enough on defense, which means he was always out of position, which led to him picking up a high percentage of his fouls. And in big games for the Buckeyes, Chris Holtman had to pull him because, you know, he's in foul trouble. This year, he cleaned up, you know, he cleaned that up a, a ton. He was in a lot better shape. Uh, he was a lot quicker on the defensive end. He did not get in foul trouble as often as he did a year ago. But I also think by losing that weight, he lost a good amount of girth and strength down low. And uh, I just don't think he was as dominant. I think the Buckeyes were good when he was on the floor, don't get me wrong. I, you know, he has that three-point shots now. He, You know, I always say this. You could shoot the three, but it doesn't make you a three-point shooter. You know, there's a difference between being a three-point shooter and being capable of knocking down a three. And that is Caleb Wesson. You know what I mean? And those are my concerns and questions about Obi Toppin. I mean, Obi Toppin knocked down a lot of threes, but, like, I mean, how legit is his shot going to be at the next level? You know, is he a three-point shooter, or is he just a guy that's capable of knocking down a three? Because I, I think there's a distinct difference between being a three-point shooter and being capable of knocking down a three when called upon. Maybe I'm being too critical, but that's my only critique there. I mean, everything else, he's a freak of nature when it comes to everything else about his game. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's all i got to say about that. But Caleb Weston, you know, Buckeyes lost a lot. I know they got the number one grad transfer, uh, you know, it is what it is, but they've lost a lot of talent as well. Losing DJ Carton, uh, you know, you've lost three players in total in one offseason. Now, with that being said, the landscape of college basketball, the same reason that UD has a chance to rebound fairly quickly is the same reason Ohio State does as well. The transfer rules are kind of up in the air a little bit. We don't really know if the NCAA is going to approve that one-time transfer without penalty. Um, some hate it. Some like it. I like it because... Originally, they had put the, okay, if you're going to transfer, you're going to have to sit out a year. And now these athletes are going to have to weigh the pros and the cons of sitting out a year. Well, the transfer portal every year has just, you know, the, the transfer numbers and the transfer portal has just gotten bigger and bigger each year. And that's with having to sit out a year. These players are basically saying, hey, I don't mind sitting out a season, which is amazing to me because I am the most impatient person in the world. I cannot go... I cannot go an I cannot transfer knowing that I'm going to have to sit out an entire year. I just I don't get how mentally athletes do that. I, I really don't. I I don't get it. Um, but I think what the NCAA has learned is, hey, we have these rules in place to kind of, you know, discourage transferring to to let the athletes know that sure you could 
you could transfer, but you're not going to be able to play right away. And they were hoping that that would be enough to deter athletes from doing that. And it didn't work. It didn't work. I mean, how time in and time in again, we saw players transfer out knowing that they're going to have to sit out a year. And I just think that that does more harm than anything else. Uh, but college athletes continue to do it. They're being, you know, they have people in their corner talking them into it, telling them it's a good idea. They buy into it, and it works for them. So I applaud the NCAA for saying, you know what? These guys are doing it anyways, and the only thing that we are doing at this point is hurting ourselves by the NCAA trying to alter, you know, by trying to detour guys from transferring, and then they're doing it anyways. It's like, well, we might as well adapt and let this rule benefit us in the back end. And what I mean by that is, is you should not have rules that are taking thousands of really talented players and having them sit out a year. When a player transfers and the NCAA is forcing them to sit out a year, you are forcing that individual. You are, I mean, you're taking a star off the floor. You're only hurting your own product. You know, like if if Jalen Crutcher, and again, I'm just using him as an example because you can relate to him as he's a flyer. If he, let's say, he transfers to Memphis, and the rule of he, you know, that he would have to sit out a year, if that rule was still in place, Jalen Crutcher's one hell of a talented kid. And because of the NCAA's rule of you have to sit out a year, if he's willing to go sit, you know, sit out a year to play at Memphis, you know what? Good for him. If he's willing to take that risk, he has convinced himself that that's a good idea. Guess what? He's not hurt by this. You know who's hurt by it? The NCAA. That's one less star that you have on the floor, whether it is for UD, whether it is for Memphis, whether it's for wherever else he could end up. You're only hurting yourself. So I, I like the idea of the NCAA being proactive here, they're going to pull the plug on this sitting out one year, and I like and I like the idea of a one-time transfer rule. Not every player goes, not every player, when they commit out of high school, when they get there, it's not always what they expected it to be, and I think that they should have that mental freedom to be able to release themselves, not just physically, but mentally as well, to go to a situation that is better for themselves. That's what we as human, I mean, that's what we as adults, you know, in our normal day-to-day lives, that's what we get to experience. Maybe not in today's culture right now due to the coronavirus, but what I mean is, is in when in regular times and settings, if we're not happy with where we're at, we got the freedom to just uproot and go to somewhere else that's going to make us more mentally and physically happy. We restrict that with college athletes. I do not want to see a free-for-all. I don't want to see, all right, I'm going to... I don't like it here my freshman year. I'm going to transfer here my sophomore year. You know what? This sucked. I don't want to play here. I want to go there. I'm not for that, but I am all for a one-time mulligan with the transfer rule. I'm completely okay with that. I think it's only going to help college basketball. It's going to help college football. I know it's a college athletics rule, but we know the heavy hitters. We know that we talk football and basketball. Those are the money makers right there. But I like, one more time, I like that the NCAA has kind of, pondered the idea of uplifting that rule because they're only hurting themselves. They're not hurting the athlete. The athlete having to sit out a year, they've already mentally and physically accepted the fact that, hey, I'm not going to play basketball for a year. I'm not going to play football for a year. But you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to keep working on my craft. The only one that's hurting this situation is us, the football and basketball fans and the NCAA, because that's one less star that we get to watch the next year. And what I mean by that is, as an example, Look at what Joe Burrow leaving Ohio State, and again, these are situations where as grad transfers and everything, they had the freedom to do it, but it's still the example of what transferring and being eligible right away can do for a sport. I thought this past college football season was one of the best ever. I thought that there was star power top to bottom. I I just thought there were so many teams in the mix. As dominant as LSU was, we still weren't ready to crown them as champions 
you know, early in the season, middle of the season, even towards the tail end of the year. Like, we really didn't know who the favorite was. We knew that Alabama was dangerous with the healthy Tua. And as good as LSU looked with Joe Burrow, we still we still were not ready to buy in to Joe Burrow and LSU because they were known for stubbing their toe in the spotlight games. And we always know that the SEC has to go through Alabama. Well, when Tua went down, it opened up the doors for a lot more teams. And it just it made for a very fun season. Now, with that being said, to go back to my point, look at the role that the transfers had on this year's season. Jalen Hurts left Alabama to Oklahoma, didn't have to sit out a year. Now, because of a grad transfer, I get that. But what you're seeing is the significance of a star leaving this college to go to this college and being able to play right away. We didn't have to learn who Jalen Hurts was. In fact, we tuned into Oklahoma right away around here, not because we're Oklahoma fans, but because, hey, I'm kind of curious how this Jalen Hurts kid's going to play out here at Oklahoma because we saw what he could do at Alabama. All right, this Justin Fields kid. We as Buckeye fans were going to tune in no matter what anyways, but you know how many people tuned into Buckeye games outside of Buckeye country? For one, they're a national draw. I get it. But that's because of Justin Fields. We didn't have to play that game of, oh, man, Justin Fields has to sit out a year. No. College football got to benefit from a star that was hidden behind, you know, the starter at Georgia. And now he gets to be the guy at Ohio State, and now his star is born. Boom. Tua getting to start, you know, right away at Alabama. I mean, he wasn't a transfer, but he's the one that took the job from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts transferred out two years later. There's stars everywhere. Joe Burrow. Imagine that star being hid behind, uh, you know, another starter because, hey, he didn't win the job. If he had to sit behind Haskins, that star would have been robbed of an opportunity to embrace college football. If this last year was Joe Burrow's first year as a starter, I don't think we see what we saw. I don't think we get to see the 60-touchdown pass Heisman-winning quarterback performance that we saw. I think Joe Burrow needed that first year to kind of go, and I, I I know they bring in Joe Brady, they bring in all these you know these different offensive pieces, they change up the offense, but I do believe that they were able to open things up because of how comfortable Joe Burrow was due to playing that previous year. Transfers, star power, being able to play right away, college, stop robbing your fans and your sport of stars being able to play right away. If it's just a one-time transfer, let it happen. If it starts to become a, you know, an issue where they're looking to do it too much, I have no problem with them having to sit out a year for their second transfer. But that first one, let them do it. Let the stars be stars. Keep the stars on the field. Keep the stars on the court. And let us fans enjoy it. College football was a prime example of that this past year. College basketball as well. Stop penalizing these kids. Let them explore their freedom and let them explore what they're com- where, you know, where they're comfortable at. I've never understood that too. I mean, in high school, you're used to your parents making every decision for you. Now you're in a situation where you get to make a decision for yourself, and that first decision that these athletes probably at times ever make for themselves is, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go there. Four five seven nine four six four. You know, Shay, we clearly told Tony that, hey, yeah. you, you, you there, Shay? There you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We told Tony, hey, call back. You don't have a good signal. He's getting all pissy on social media, tweeting in. Hold on, I gotta find it. He got he's all up in his feelings. He goes, I thought this was a lighthearted sports show that we could have fun. I just got hung up on. Wow, what are you talking about, Tony? Tony, if you're still listening, man, call back. I told you to call back. We told you we couldn't hear you. You had a bad signal. Call back. What what so we hang up on you because you don't have a good signal, and then now this isn't a, a lighthearted show. I don't understand. That's a gumby couldn't stretch that far, man. Come on now. All right, that wraps it up for hour one. I teased the Bengals and Browns topic earlier. That's what we're going to open up with at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Here we are. The Browns did something today that is very Bengal-esque. 
And I mean recent Bengals, not like recent history Bengals. I mean like recent Bengals within the last couple of weeks. The Browns and Bengals have been impressive this offseason, but the Browns just, they went, they, they stepped it up a notch. We'll talk about that when we come back. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with a tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. The Kenner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. Hour 2, the Justin Kenner Show, live here on Dayton TSPN radio station, 1410, Wing AM. So, uh, over the last couple of weeks, due to the uh, the Bengals' ongoing high spending this offseason, I've had to do something I'm not really comfortable with, and that's praising the Bengals. I mean, it's just unlike them, and uh, we've all been, you know, we've, we've been through the same song with the last, you know, week or two, talking about how surprised we are that Mike Brown finally woke up from that nap that he was pictured in that made the rounds all of last season. Remember that? up in the, you know, in the little, in the little press suite or media, not media suite, but uh, the owner suite. And uh, that made its rounds where he, I don't know, I don't even think he was actually sleeping, but it was just not a flattering picture uh, of him because it looked like, I mean, his head was down trying to avoid the sun, and uh, it looked as if he was napping in the owner's suite. So it is what it is, but uh, you know what? He's done a kick-ass job. Got to give him a lot of credit. I, I mean, watching the Brown or watching the Bengals just, you know, make move after move this offseason has been pretty, uh, you know, refreshing, actually, because it gives you something to be excited about. It gives you something to hope for as Bengals fans, which is something that, you know, what I laugh at is a lot of Bengals fans get real pissed off at national media. They get real mad at media when really the media doesn't really attack the fan base. They are actually defending the fan base. Like Bengals fans hate Stephen A. Smith. Now you're probably saying all fans hate Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, well, ratings anytime he's on any segment ever dictate otherwise. So that's an argument for another day. But I will say this. Stephen A. Smith's biggest crack on the Bengals is that he feels bad for you, the fans. Like, that's what I laugh at. The fans get so mad at a lot of these media guys, but a lot of the media guys are, are they're basically saying, I feel bad for the fans. This team doesn't want to win. They don't want to put a winner on the field. So I've never understood why fans always get so pissed off because you're, you're actually making fools of yourselves when you do that because you look dumb because they're actually defending you. You're getting mad at the people that are defending you. They want what's best for you, the fans. They want a contender in Cincinnati. And uh, give Mike Brown credit, as of right now, he is officially done that. Now, what does that mean as far as how much of a contender? That's still to be determined. Um, but they are doing things that we got, that we as Browns fans really got to witness last year with the Cleveland Browns, especially after the you know the draft two years ago where they drafted Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward with the first and fourth overall pick in the first round. Uh, and they were, you know, they added some key additions in the offseason just to kind of give them a little bit more of a veteran uh, you know, a veteran presence on a team that was bringing in a lot of rookies and younger players. It was just a good balance to be able to bring in those young players and, and kind of introduce them to the NFL. Well, then year two happened, and then the Browns go on, and they add more star power. They add Odell Beckham Jr., and they added Kareem Hunt all in the same offseason, knowing that when you added Kareem Hunt that you probably weren't going to be able to you benefit from his services until you know well past the halfway point, and that was the case. They got him back in week nine. So 
with that being said, we have seen to where you know a team has been aggressive in the offseason. They've built on what they you know on their roster. And Bengals fans, Rip Browns fans, said you can't get excited. They haven't proven anything yet. I'm not going to do that to Bengals fans. I'm telling you straight up. Enjoy it. It's fun. You can't win on the field unless you get to this point first. And what I mean is, is there's not too often in football where you go into a season not feeling good about your roster, and the next thing you know, you're in the playoffs, right? Like, I'm not saying that's never been done. But more times than not, the teams that go on good runs throughout a year usually had pretty good off-seasons. And the fans feel pretty good about what their teams did in the off-season. The Browns should feel good about what their team has done the last few years in the off-season because it has, set, it has set them up to have expectations. You can't have expectations if you don't have the right per, if you don't have the players on the field or at least on paper to back it up. The Bengals didn't have the players to back up expectations on the field or on paper. They had a couple big sexy names here and there, but sprinkled between those big names was a bunch of garbage. And and that's what you got. Two and fourteen. That's garbage. But now the Bengals are at the same spot that the Browns are at, and that's at a level of expectations. You went out and you got the players. You got the you know, you know got the young pieces coming in with what you're going about to do in the draft, but you went out and you got the veteran experienced players to be able to fill the gaps and the holes that had plagued them the last few years. Now, as far as the Cleveland Browns go, they are continuing to kick ass this offseason. I mean, they came out swinging right off the bat, as we've talked about. You know, right off the bat, they get their backup quarterback uh, in Case Keenum, which, you know, that is a big deal. That's a good backup quarterback. If Baker Mayfield goes down, it's not as if they don't have the talent around Case Keenum to potentially make the playoffs, especially now that two more playoff spots were just added and approved upon by NFL ownership yesterday. So let's go on. Jack Conklin, again, offensive tackle. The Browns, again, are invested in protecting Baker Mayfield, something they did not do well last year, and it it ultimately ended up costing them. So Conklin was a great piece to add to the mix. Austin Hooper, the tight end from the Falcons. And again, the Browns add him, make him the highest-paid tight end in football. Is he the best tight end in football? No, but with the money that he warranted, obviously he's right up there with the best in football. Baker Mayfield has a top-three wide receiver, and OBJ, when healthy, has a top-three tight end, uh, a top three running back, maybe two top three running backs, or at least two top five running backs, and you have Kareem Hunt and, and Chubb. There is no excuse, and probably a top three number two receiver uh, in Jarvis Landry. So there is no excuse now for Baker Mayfield when it comes to the success that he is supposed to have next year. My biggest concern was about what they were going to do on the defensive side. Well, over the last couple of weeks, the Browns have quietly added some key addition, additional pieces to the defense. B.J. Goodson, a linebacker, getting a one-year deal with the veteran linebacker. Again, just trying to you know trying to fill the gaps after losing some key defensive pieces like Joe Schobert and, and Kirksey and those guys. Uh, you know they have that Taki Taki or whatever. I mean I don't know what the expectations are for him moving forward. He's definitely going to get a shot. They bring in Carl Joseph at safety. Uh, Andrew Billings at defensive tackle, you know, and then Kevin Johnson, another cornerback. Um, But what they did yesterday or today was announced that they have brought in defensive tackle Adrian Claiborne. I love this. I love this. Uh, I I think that uh, when you look at, which by the way, I did find it interesting uh, that Jadavion Clowney has completely shrunk his asking price. I think he, he is now in the ballpark of around $17 million. Would I have been annoyed if the Browns went after him? No, I would have loved to see that star, you know, to to add the equivalent of star power on the defensive side that they have on the offensive side, I would have loved it. Uh, but I don't mind Adrian Claiborne. There is a big gap between Claiborne and, and Jadavion Clowney, obviously. But again, for $6 million for two years, for $6.75 million for two years along with incentives, Look, Claiborne play. He's he's durable, okay. And if uh, you know 
if they if Miles Garrett could be durable, then they're going to be in good shape as well. And that means not just from a physicality standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. We can't have uh, Miles Garrett get into another situation like he did last year, where his temper got the best of him and cost him the whole season, and probably could have, you know, the the rest of the season. It could have potentially cost him some of this season, and he's lucky it didn't. But if you know, Claiborne last year played 15 games, delivered four sacks for the Falcons. Look, he's not the biggest name. Uh, he's not the biggest name available free agent. Jadavion Clowney obviously is that, but Claiborne should provide uh, obviously that much needed assistance to star pass rusher Miles Garrett. Uh, they go on to say in this article that of the 111 players with 500 pass rush snaps over the past two seasons, Garrett and Claiborne rank one and two in the league in quarterback pressure, and that's key. That's really key right now because I'm telling you right now, we've always talked about, man, I can't wait for when the Browns and when the Bengals finally become contenders on the field together at the same time. I think you are starting to see the beginning stages of that. I think that the Browns are paying attention to not just what they need to do to better their team, but they're paying attention to what they need to do to attack the other teams in the league. They learned last year that when you're able to beat up on Lamar Jackson a little bit, they were, they were the only team that really found a way to contain him during the regular season in a dramatic way. You know, they got that big win at Baltimore. That was huge. But a lot of that had to do with how they played him defensively. Sure, luck might have played a role into it. Lamar didn't play, Lamar didn't play his best game. But I give him, them credit for finding a way to contain him. I love what they did here. They have the number one and number two pass rusher guys right there in regards to, you know, being able to put pressure on the quarterback. You're going to have Joe Burrow, who right now, I think that the Bengals or the Browns are very smart when you look at the fact that the the Bengals offensive line it's not that great. All right, it's been really really bad even if Jonah Williams is healthy it's still not that great and I think that the Browns are saying hey we've that's the weak like when we got to look at the Bengals right now that's how we're going to attack them. We're going to attack their weakness which is that weak offensive line. And now you add another key piece to that defensive front when you have good strong guys up the middle. I, I don't like the the Browns uh defensive I don't like the Browns linebacker situation right now. I would like them to address a little bit more of, of the secondary. Denzel Ward we've seen you know flashes of him when healthy, hopefully he is healthy, and can have a healthy 2020. But with what the Browns did on offense and with what the Browns just did defensively, I'm telling you right now, they still are flawed defensively. I think that the Bengals improved their team more on the defensive end than the Browns did, but what the Browns did with Claiborne is, is they now added a strength to their team that is going to take advantage of the weakness of the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, And they also added another pass rusher that's also going to be a great weapon against a guy like Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger. How good is his offensive line? They're one of the best coach teams in the NFL. Again, just missed the playoffs last year by a game, and that's with their third-string quarterback. If you have Big Ben back, you have that continuity back, that's going to be a dangerous team. I love what the Browns did. I love what the Bengals have done. And now you're starting to see these two teams form really competitive rosters and uh, I just can't wait to see how it unfolds on the field and uh, when we get to see the Browns and Bengals in 2020 Joe Burrow against Baker Mayfield all the star power on both sides of the ball for both teams that is going to be a good time for the first time in a long time Browns-Bengals that matchup is going to mean something and uh, this is fun this is fun I'm pulling for the Bengals man I, I don't care what anybody says I know I get labeled the hater I'm not hating on the Bengals I'm telling you right now I'm pulling for the Bengals because then when the Browns go 2-0 and against the Bengals in 2020 
I know that those are two legit wins. All right, so I'm just telling you right now. Four five seven nine four six four. Also, you could tweet into the show uh, at fourteen ten Kenner. That's at fourteen ten Kenner K I N N E R. Browns fans, I want to hear from you. Your thoughts on the signing of Claiborne and what that means for the Browns' defense moving forward. We'll get to more of that in your reaction when we come back. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your tax safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Now, back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Four five seven nine four six four. Justin Kinner with you here on Dayton ESPN Radio Station fourteen ten Wing AM. It's four twenty. Why are Bengals fans allowed to be excited about their improvements to the team? That's allowed, but when Browns fans do it, it's oh, you start giving out these fake, really stupid Super Bowl off-season trophies, Bengals fans. Why do you do that? Why is that fair? I, 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 I don't understand it. I know I said I wasn't going to point that out, but uh, now that I'm getting it on social media, I'm, I'm getting a little irritated. So I feel like you're being hypocrites. Why is it that when the Bengals make good off-season moves that uh, the Bengals fans are allowed, you're allowed to chirp, you're allowed to run your mouth, you're allowed to say, I told you so, which, by the way, you're not allowed to say, I told you so, because we're allowed to say, we told you so. I, I could say, I told you so. I could look at you and say, see, when your owner finally decides that he wants to win and go out and get good players, then all of a sudden, good things happen. So, no, you did not tell me so anything. I'm telling you so. I was making fun of your owner. I was making fun of your franchise for not making an effort to go out and get good players. There you go. I could play that game, too. Uh, someone else said, look, uh, the addition, the, the Browns addition today with the defensive tackle is great, but it does not make them a contender next year. I don't get what that means. What do you mean it does not make them a contender next year? Uh, playoff contender, Super Bowl contender. Look, with that offense, you got to understand something right now. You have OBJ Jarvis. Look, I don't need to go through the the, the roster. I love throwing that roster out there because it just it to me it's like man, that's a ton of talent and it's a great roster. Baker, it's all up to Baker. Like, really, I thought last year when we were talking about was there more pressure on Baker Mayfield or more pressure on Freddie Kitchens coming into the year, I thought there was way more pressure on Freddie Kitchens because I thought that Baker's success or lack of success was going to be a direct result of Freddie Kitchens. So with that being said, if Baker Mayfield had a great year last year, that would have been a reflection of Freddie Kitchens and then everything would have been great. But I think there was way more pressure on Freddie Kitchens because really, I mean, it was out of his control. Sure, he could have controlled how much better Baker got to a certain extent, but really he was at the mercy of Baker Mayfield's performance. Baker Mayfield got a pass last year, all right? Uh, I know that Brown's Brown's haters out there did not give Baker a pass, and they're going to continue to find ways to – I mean, look, when he, broke, uh, when he broke Peyton Manning's rookie touchdown record, Brown's haters continued to find a way to pick that apart, right? Like, you weren't willing to let him have that. So, of course, you're going to jump on him when things aren't going well. So that's how it's going to be moving forward, and that's going to be the fun in this. But with that being said, all of the pressure of, in the world is on Baker Mayfield here in 2020. 
Like, I thought that last year, to be honest, I was a little disappointed at Baker Mayfield because I thought that by the hiring of Freddie Kitchens that that was Baker Mayfield's escape route. That, that if things didn't go well, it wasn't going to be on Baker Mayfield. It was going to be because they hired a boob of a head coach. Well, guess what? Stefanski, although he may not have been my number one choice as head coach uh, to replace Freddie Kitchens this offseason, Stefanski's a real deal, is the real deal when it comes to an offensive mind. He has run an offense forever. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how to put Baker Mayfield in position to succeed. We've seen this offense flourish with quarterbacks lesser than him and get great results. So at the end of the day, this is a situation where I think all of the pressure in the world is on Baker Mayfield because Stefanski, he's already proven he can run an offense. Stefanski has proven that his scheme works. Stefanski has proven that he knows what he's doing in the National Football League. So if things do not go well in, in 2020... It's not on Stefanski. It's nothing but on Baker Mayfield, period. When you have top three tight end, top three wide receiver, top three number two receiver, uh, you know, we, we've been through it. I think you have two of the top five running backs in the league. Uh, there's no excuse. You added Conklin to that offensive line. You're about to draft one. There, Baker Mayfield, it's all or nothing here in 2020. Does that mean he will not be, if he has a bad year, he's not the starter in 2021? No. But I believe that you'll have an answer on who he is in 2020. Because there's no more excuses for Baker Mayfield. All the pressure is on him this year. 457-9464. Uh, we got Tony. Tony, how are you? Hey, it's T-Man. Oh, how are you? I'm doing okay. Listen, I haven't thought this thing out, and it's kind of crazy, so stick with me for a minute. Oh, is this, oh you have the college basketball talk right Yep, now. Yep, I no, am. You're more than fine. Keep going. So tell me, what is the real problem with starting the college basketball season off with the NCAA tournament? Say that again. Now, here's the, Say that again. Here's how it, what's wrong with starting the college basketball season with the NCAA tournament? Starting it with the tournament. Yeah. In other words, you would have the tournament. It would be based on what you did last year. The same programs would be in the tournament. They would be seated, and you would actually start the college basketball season with the tournament. You would crown a champion. Uh, I know the players would be different, but those programs would be rewarded. They have a preseason NIT. The preseason NIT would switch over to the regular NIT. Those teams that were going to be in the NIT would now play in the NIT preseason, and you start the season a little early, uh, and you have an NCAA championship. Uh, I guess I mean I'm not against it, but I don't know what is that like. Uh, what is that fixing? Like what what is broken that that would fix? I guess is my question. Well, listen, there's there's no fixing it, but it would have an NCAA tournament, and those programs that had a great season mm-hmm. would be rewarded with having uh, an NCAA tournament, and you can actually crown a champion. Uh, and again, you take a team like Dayton, they would go in as the number one seed, apparently. And uh, you have uh, you start the season off with a tournament. A lot of these programs, a lot of college basketball starts off with a tournament here and there and whatever. And uh, you have uh, you have you start the season with the NCAA tournament, kind of a continuation of uh, what wasn't finished. At least those programs would be rewarded with an invite, and I think it would be kind of interesting. 
No, I definitely think it would be interesting, and I think it would definitely benefit programs like UD and like San Diego State and others who, who are not traditionally you know, in the positions that they were to close out last season. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that would definitely give them that rub. It just wouldn't have that same feel because you wouldn't have the same, you know, you, you'd be casting a movie but with different characters that weren't a part of the original movie's success. But the thing is, we know what Anthony Grant's doing, and we know that you can have faith that that program's going to keep rolling. I don't know if it's going to keep rolling as a number one or number two potential season in the NCAA tournament. Um, but, no, I see what you're saying about still rewarding the programs for the job that they are doing as a whole as opposed to just based on one season. Yeah, and you would go in based on what you did for the season. Nothing would change. If you were going to be a, a one seed or a 16 seed, uh, that's, that's where you would lie. You'd have the tournament. You, you could uh, uh, you know, make it a little quicker. Um, for instance, the uh, first four would move to and actually one of the first, uh, uh, the first sites where uh, the first round is being held at. Uh, you wouldn't have to stretch it out to three weeks. And um, I think starting the season off with the NC2A tournament that should have been held, uh, that we all missed on, I think it would be exciting. It's not going to replace what we missed, but uh, it would still be one hell of a, a hell of a tournament, and uh, it would be an awesome way to kick off the season. No, it would, and I'm just hoping that we get a kickoff to any college basketball season. I'm seeing things all over social media that we, like if we don't get a college football season, we may not get the start to college basketball. Uh, you know, we have, I haven't even gotten into the A-10 potentially playing 20 conference games and stuff, but uh, it's going to be an interesting stretch over the next year of how not just these seasons are being impacted, but how next seasons could be impacted. So too crazy of an idea? I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. I think it's an unlikely idea, but I don't think it's that crazy of one. I think it works. I think, I mean, the philosophy's there. I think it works. Okay, thanks. But, hey, T-Man, good hearing from you. See ya. 457-9464. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Uh, we'll step away for a few moments. Yesterday we talked uh, with the athletic director, Trotwood, and uh, in, in Frank Caruso. And it was in, Frank Caruso, I'm sorry. It was interesting uh, talking with him just about how he dealt with the news uh, about the OHSA pulling the plug on the 2020 OHSA you know, regional tournament. Of course, the Trotwood looking to get back to the state tournament and uh, re-airing just a piece of that just to give you an idea of kind of what the athletic athletics administrations are dealing with here locally from the high school level. Uh, you don't have high school kids, you know, on the school grounds. Uh, you're not able, you know, it's not as easy to communicate with the, with the athletes, with the coaches. And right now there's no athletics going on at all. Uh, and just how difficult is that? We're going to we'll have a clip of that interview when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. They were ready to, you know, they have that matchup, of course, to get back to the regional final. Troutwood looking to punch their ticket back to the state cha- or to the state tournament, uh, state semis, you know, and, and potentially win back-to-back state championships. They won it last year, looking to win it this year. Two really good athletes, you know, led, you know, right now Carl Blanton, who just, uh, you know, made his commitment yesterday. We'll talk about what team he committed to uh, when we get past this interview here. But uh, I did uh, have a couple people say they enjoyed the interview and that they hate that they missed it. Again, we're going to re-air just a little clip of this here just to give you an idea uh, of how right now you have Frank Russo, the athletic director, dealing with the Trotwood Rams and how athletics is being handled throughout this stretch. Here's Frank Russo from yesterday's show. Well, I mean, 
from our standpoint, we, we had no idea because we had no control as to how and when the changes were going to take place. And so we were kind of just on a simply a standby mode, um, waiting to hear the directives coming from uh, OHSAA and Jerry Snodgrass, uh, the commissioner. So, um, you know, I mean, again, we were we were ready to tip off with uh, Thurgood that evening. And then, uh, you know, we get the news that uh, uh, things had been postponed and, and set back. And so um, uh, from that particular standpoint, um, you know, it was a very difficult time because, uh, again, everybody is, was was very excited about the upcoming game uh, because we had seen them earlier in the season in January, actually, and it came down to uh, less than a second uh, 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 shot by Sammy Anderson uh, to win the game, um, you know, on our home court. And so uh, it was a very exciting game, so one which was going to be extremely challenging for us um, as we entered uh, into that um, uh, into that particular matchup. And so um, from that standpoint, it was just one where uh, we had to just follow the directions uh, that were set forth by OHSAA and stand by. But as you know, for athletes and for coaches, um, you know, they were ready to go and, and ramped up. And so um, it was a difficult time emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, because everything all of a sudden just came to a sudden halt. Yeah, and I completely understood the the decision to to postpone the the winter championships, the winter tournaments at the beginning. But I, I what I was pinpointing were some of the flaws in that, especially when students weren't allowed on your you know you know on campus per se. So the athletes could not meet. You couldn't practice. So if there was a three week you know time off and then you guys resume, just how difficult would that be for these athletes to get back into it? I know we had a one coach call about um, the Carroll girls basketball team. There was 15 minutes and 49 seconds on the clock while they were warming up and that's when they were told that hey your season is over or at least postponed knowing that it's most likely over so they had to wait for three weeks to be told that hey the season's over again i just felt there was too many stoppages in play and too many times where you're telling these young students that hey your season's over i just wanted them to pull the plug on it earlier how tough was that you guys handling that when you're not allowed to hold practices but you're still trying to keep your athletes motivated that hey you still could potentially have a tournament to play in here in the coming weeks right i mean um you know I mean, one of the directives was we couldn't have any contact. I mean, the only um, particular uh, uh, way in which we could actually communicate with our athletes was through technology. So, um, you know, you're taking the whole, you know, physicality, uh, the rhythm of practice, uh, the preparation, uh, really all of that out of the equation. And so um, when you take that out of an athlete and a coach's uh, that particular uh, variable out, then you're struggling with the mental and emotional aspect of it. And so uh, our coaches felt like actually, you know, because uh, we're unique, uh, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, when you look at, at our roster, um, you know, a large percentage of our athletes had just come off the state championship in football. So we were actually just getting into peak performance shape when um, the decisions came down to halt the season. And so from that particular standpoint, um, we felt like we were really prepared and our guys were really uh, coming into their own those last few weeks of the season. Um, and then, like I said, all of a sudden, you know, everything came to a halt. And uh, that really put, um, you know, everyone actually in a situation where, you know, you want to say uh, 
you know, a bit of frustration. Um, but everybody was in the same boat. I mean, everybody was, from that particular standpoint, when, when the decision came down, um, you know, just across the board, uh, you know, gyms were closed, facilities, schools were locked. Um, and again, uh, the inability for coaches to really meet with the players. And I understood that because they wanted to keep, um, the state wanted to keep everyone on a level playing field. And so they felt that, you know, their decision was predicated on making sure everybody, um, you know, was under the same guidelines, strict guidelines. And so, and that was going to be one of consistency. So I, I understood that, but from our end, um, you know, our guys, given where we were at from our particular standpoint, um, because we didn't really have a preseason uh, for our guys to get in shape, basketball shape, um, we were just, you know, getting to the point where everybody was, was really clicking. The program was, was really, um, uh, you know, experiencing the benefits that we had from a highly competitive season. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough, but I understand on the state's end that it was difficult for them uh, because, again, it was, this is an unprecedented time. And when you have that particular situation, you know, these decisions are all new, um, you know, to to leadership across the board, to administrators, to, you know, the governing bodies. Um, and so from that particular standpoint, it, it has been um, a, a, a difficult time, uh, but one will get through. We have Troutwood Rams Athletic Director Frank Russo with us here on the Justin Kinner Show. And, uh, you know, that brings us now, you know, with those sports officially being canceled and spring sports and, and stuff like that moving forward. I mean, even looking forward to the fall, what's your communication with your fall coaches like right now? I know spring and everything else, but fall coaches with football around the corner, there's more preparation into football and other sports that start early in the summer that it's not just falls here and you get going. A lot of preparation for these sports start earlier in the year, and I'm sure that's something you guys have talked about as well. Sure. And, and, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you from an administrative end. I mean, this is a time of year where, you know, you're building budgets and you're preparing for, you know, the, the, the 2020-21 season uh, and school year. And so from that particular standpoint, um, you know, I've reached out to our coaches and, you know, I'm asking them now what are the, their needs for, for the next school year. And also simultaneously, you know, trying to keep our coaches, um, our spring coaches, aware of the fact that, hey, you know, keep communicating from a, a technology standpoint, uh, email, social media with, with our athletes, um, that, uh, again, we could have a, um, a condensed uh, season, uh, one which uh, we'll find out uh, later in April. Uh, but there'll be an acclimation period too once we come back, and that'll that'll last a week, and so um, it'll be a very shortened, condensed season. But uh, there's still a possibility there because um, OHSAA hasn't made a decision as to um, whether or not the, the season's going to be canceled. Now, Mr. Russo, the one thing that's interesting to me, too, is from a recruiting standpoint, not for the high school level, but I mean from colleges. I mean, you have a lot of, of high-end athletes on, on, in your guys' high school programs, so I'm sure you are used to having regular communication with uh, so, you know, college programs. How different 
do you en envision that being moving forward too? Right now, colleges aren't allowed to have face-to-face -face visits or anyone on their campuses either. Have you? You don't have to reveal who, but have you had to set up any kind of calls like that at all, recruiting-wise, in in different stages like that? Uh, no, we we haven't had to do that, but. Um we just had um, uh, Carl Blanton, Carl Blanton. Yep. Uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, athlete um, that just signed, uh, again, uh, a two-time All-State athlete uh, this past year in football and, and, and basketball, um, has just committed to, to Eastern Arizona College. So um, we're excited for uh, his next chapter in life. But, uh, again, that just happened. Uh, he just committed. Um uh, this afternoon. So, um, uh, again, from that particular standpoint, those particular types of uh, communication, um, you know, uh, however limited it is, um, you know, you're still seeing uh, athletes that are committing uh, this time of year. They have to. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've got to make plans. I mean, Carl's in a situation where now, you know, you know heading into April and, um, you know, a lot of these athletes, uh, leave in the in the middle of the summer and uh, are transitioning uh, again to the, the college level, and so that's you know a few months off. So um, from that particular standpoint, uh, you know it's it's one where uh, the athletes themselves really and the parents and the athletes and the coaches themselves um, really have to keep pushing forward and uh, you know for the greater good of the, the, the student athletes. Last thing before we let you go again, Frank Russo, Troutwood Athletic Director, with us here. Uh, I work with, or I do a lot of Wright State Athletics games, and I work with the Horizon League. And I was, you know, really had a blast this year getting to watch Tory Patton and Amari Davis. Amari Davis winning the Horizon League, you know, Freshman of the Year award. Just uh, again, the, uh, more guys recently, you know, part of the success of the boys' basketball program. Tory Patton playing in the state semifinals. Amari Davis winning a state championship last year. Carl Blanton, of course, and Sammy Anderson trying to do that this year. Just obviously with everything coming to a halt. You guys have just had some serious talent over the last few years. Coach Rockhold has done a magnificent job with that group. Rocky does an amazing job. I mean, he he and his staff uh, and the, the students, it's a, it's a, student athletes, it's 100% it's buy-in uh, to his philosophy. Um, and he, like I said, he is, uh, I've been around, around a lot of great coaches, but he is absolutely an amazing coach and his staff just do an amazing job uh, not only coaching, you know, the X's and O's, but they do a great job mentoring uh, our student athletes. So uh, I can't be more proud of, um, you know, the work that, that Rocky and his staff does um, and the results that um, in the development of our student athletes as a result of he and his, his staff's leadership. All right, well, good stuff. All right, and that was from yesterday's show. I appreciate it, uh, Mr. Russo, for coming on and hanging out for a bit just to kind of give us an idea of, how it how things are being handled behind the scenes when it comes to high school athletics because we spend so much time talking about how the COVID nineteen has impacted college athletics and pro sports and how that has interrupted our our you know viewing pleasure right our viewing pleasure activity when it comes to watching sports but for a lot of you parents out there and just high school athletic supporters your world got shocked too now the reason that I feel like I I, I honestly feel. Like this area did not I don't think we've really grasped just how impacted the high school side of this is going to be impacted yet. If we do go into the fall and there is limited and we do not and we're not able to get a football season in, I think you're going to hear a huge it's going to be devastating 
mainly because I feel like the high school sports that were canceled, there were so few teams remaining here locally in the boys and girls just from the basketball side of things. I know there's other sports too, but I just mean from that side. This area wasn't hit hard by the reality of having a high school season come to an end. You know, you're having a season come to an end whenever you get, you know, obviously, you know, in, into the regional round, you know, state finals, state semifinals. It's unfortunate, don't get me wrong, but again, and that is devastating, but you're talking about just less than a handful of teams who had to have their season, you know, unplugged, you know, prematurely when it comes to, you know, in the middle of the tournament. And actually, it's not even in the middle of the tournament, you're on the back half. I mean, you you're, you see light at the end of the tunnel. The season's pretty much almost done. I mean, if you went out, you have max three games remaining, uh, for, or four games remaining for those who were in the regional semis, uh, and only two games remaining, you know, if you're winning out and winning a state championship. So, bottom line is, is we, you know, it would have been different, though, had the plug been pulled in the middle of January. And now you're talking about every single high school in the state of Ohio and country, for that matter, I mean, depending on how each state's handling this, but if we're just focusing on the state of Ohio, if this would have been pulled in the you know, middle of January, end of January, we're talking every high school athletics department having to pull the plug on these high school kids' seasons. That's devastating. Um, I think it's tough. Look, bottom line is this, and I know that, you know, you, you got to teach your kids, you gotta, you got to keep working hard. If there is any doubt in the minds of these high school kids right now, and and they could I mean it's going to be so tough for them to mentally put themselves through the grind of getting prepared for a high school football season, knowing that hey I'm going through all of this and I'm probably not I might not play a down of football and I'm not pulling for that. But you see what I'm saying? Like I, I think that's kind of dangerous and I I almost fear you know we talk about attendance, but how well sporting numbers fare? Will we see a dip in athletes going out for teams this year? Will parents be afraid to let their kid go out and participate in football or basketball, volleyball, soccer, what have you? Like, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well, to be honest with you. Uh, there's going to be that aspect of it. You know, We just keep saying, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal so we can go watch games. But there, there's going to be that aspect of it too. But if we get to the point where we're heading into the summer you know, and we're having to have high school football coaches make decisions of when they're off-season workouts start and conditioning and when we get to, you know, right before the season starts practices in the workouts that go on there. If this is going to be a month-by-month thing, like right now we just found out, okay, we're on this stay-at-home order until the end of the month, until the end of April. So if our, when we get to the end of April, are we going to be told, okay, now, you know, till the end of May, May 30th now is when we're going to have this stay-at-home order through. And then we get to the end of May, and then we're going to play the same, do the same song and dance in June. I feel like big picture, you know, they could just say, hey, for the next two months, stay in. But they're just going to keep kind of stretching it out a couple weeks, you know, a month at a time just to make it feel like we're closer to the finish line than we are. And I don't know if we are. And if they do that, if you keep doing that game of, oh, just a month at a time, how difficult does that make it for high school coaches to prepare for their upcoming seasons? That's going to be the thing that's difficult, I think, uh, to keep an eye on. Four five seven nine four six four. Uh, but that's just, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm reading the tweet right now that's coming in uh, regarding that. But that that's my concern. So if you're a high school kid or you're a parent and, you know, you know that the season's coming up not too far off. Like if we get into June and July and the season's not too far off in the distance, it's like, okay, well, are we practicing? And if we practice, you know, my kid's going to work out, get in really good shape and get mentally excited for the season. And then they're going to pull it from them 
that can be devastating too. But that's just part of all of this. Everyone's going through something and is impacted by this in some shape or another. All right, we opened up the show with the reaction to Adam Schefter and his reaction to the NFL draft, which is continuing to move on. Uh, we'll get back into some of that. I'll air Adam Schefter's comments again coming up here in just a moment. Uh, we'll also get back into the NFL playoff expansion. Uh, and I didn't realize it was the first time since the, since 1990 that there was an NFL playoff expansion. I didn't realize that they had gone that long without touching the playoffs. That's interesting to me. But we'll dive into all of that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. out here right off the bat to the Dayton Flyers uh, men's basketball team social media page. I thought what they did today was really cool. They did, uh, they they customized these little Twitter, you know, online UD jerseys and they put everyone's name on the back. So like they, they did this for a few hours. They said, here's what we need. We need the name that you want on the back of the jersey, the number that you want on the jersey, and the color of the jersey. And of course you had your, your blue, your red, and your white. I thought that was really cool. So literally all day, people are just saying, hey, I want this last name on the back. I want this number, and I love the red jersey. And their social media team all day today customized these little uh, wallpaper, these you know, you know, cell phone wallpapers uh, with the jersey and everything. Really neat. Really, really cool. Uh, I just want to get, you know, on a day like, you know, right now, a lot of people sitting at home. You're working from home. You know, some are just at home. Kids are at home. Everyone's just bored, college students, whoever. This was a really cool idea, and, and their social media team just sat there for hours. Uh, I just customized hundreds of these. Let's see. It, t- it tells you how many right off the bat. But I thought that was really cool what they did. So I just wanted to give them a shout-out on that because uh, I'm sure it's been done before, but I haven't seen it. Uh, they did almost 700. So in two hours, they created 751 of these custom wallpapers. It's the Dayton Flyers jersey. They put your name on the back. It has the UD logo. They put the number on the back. It's really cool. You get to pick which jersey you want. Just want to give them a shout-out. I thought that was really neat. Justin Kinner back with you here. On 1410 ESPN Radio, it's the Justin Kinner Show. A lot to get into here in this final hour. I wanted to uh, uh, come full circle a little bit and get back into the Adam Schefter conversation because I've gotten more and more reaction on that on social media as the show has gone on. Adam Schefter, really weird stance that he took regarding the NFL draft. And and I know I touched on this earlier, but I want to get back into this just a little more. I don't understand what Adam Schefter is so fired up about. Now, with everything being canceled left and right, a lot of, you know, whether it's whether whether it's entertainment, whether it are live shows, whether it's like the Tonight Show, whether it's those live recorded studio shows in New York or wherever their studios are, whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports, whether it's anything, whether it's WWE, whether it's wrestling, everyone has had to come up with a solution to how they are dealing with the no live fans in attendance and with the stay-at-home orders uh, on a state-by-state basis and how that's going to go. You know, you don't want large gatherings of, of groups of people that started at 100, then went down to 50, then down to 20, 10, and now just stay the hell away from everybody, right? Everyone's had to adapt. Everyone has had to adjust. Uh, WWE has continued to do pre-recorded tape shows in an empty uh, NXT training facility over in Florida. 
In fact, WrestleMania is this weekend. It'll be a two-night event. Every WrestleMania match will either have some kind of stipulation where the match is outside of the ring or it's in the empty arena. Uh, but I never thought I'd see a day where WrestleMania is taped in front of an empty you know, with no audience in front of an empty arena. It's unreal. These are crazy times right now. But that's one way to do it. That is one way to attack this thing full force. You either pull the plug on it and cancel it and postpone it and, and do it later when times are safer. Or you adjust and say, well, we can't have fans here. That's fine. But we still have a, a massive audience at home that, that takes in our content, whether it's on the app or whether it's online or social media, what have you. WWE decided they were going to run full force right into it, and they still were able to put on a WrestleMania for everybody that will be aired later this week. The NBA season has postponed it. They're doing their best to try to find a way to get it in. They're, 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 they're testing and theorizing on different ideas that could potentially bring all 30-plus NBA teams into maybe two selective cities. Uh, and that's you know the Eastern Conference teams, Western Conference teams. They try to get the playoffs done in just two selective cities. Uh, and then a finals will match up. That way you're just kind of flying out two teams together to meet. You know, they're, they're adjusting. You're adapting. You are still going on with life, trying to find a way to put on your product to entertain and to also continue working. I don't mind that. The NFL draft is at that same phase. It's at that same phase. It's, okay, what do we do about the NFL draft? Do we pull the plug on it? Do we say that there's just too much going on in our world right now that, that, that the world does not want to watch the NFL draft, which I think is the biggest crock uh, of crap? I think that everybody wants something live to watch. They want something that is going to give hope or show at least some kind of optimism that we are moving forward and that we are fighting through this. That's why whether you like wrestling or not, whether you like WWE or not, you got to give them their credit. They are continuing to do their best to continue to put on an entertaining product for you. Uh, it is weird watching an empty arena wrestling uh, show, but it is what it is. As far as the NFL draft is concerned, that is one thing that I did not think anyone was going to have strong opinions about. I thought that the NFL draft should go on. I think that it, it's definitely going to indeed go on. I can't believe we're even talking about potentially postponing it or moving it back. Adam Schefter was on SportsCenter uh, at midnight last night with SVP and had a very interesting take on this, he was fired up. He was furious at the National Football League for what he says is forcing the NFL draft during a time while there is carnage on the streets. Not my words, his. Check it out. And we all hope that it happens, frankly. We all want that back. We all want to see the days where we have that distraction of football. But OTAs, that's no not job. happening. Yeah. The off-season program, that's not happening. The draft is happening only through the sheer force and determination and lack of foresight, from, oh, frankly. I mean, they, they are determined to put this on while there is carnage in the streets. They are determined to put this on while there is carnage on the streets. First of all, they should be determined to put this on. They don't need a live audience for this. In fact, they don't even need the draftees for this. I mean, have you paid attention to how, so, how, how technology is working right now? Let's just look at it at a local level. I'm doing my show from the kitchen right now, from my kitchen. Okay, And I still have access to a lot of the bells and whistles that I do back at the studio. Uh, we're limited on the, the amount of phone calls we can take. That's been tough trying to, uh, you know, we're only allowed, you know, certain pieces of equipment that we can use during that. But we find a way to get it done. 
You know, I could have said, you know what, just forget it. I'm not going to do a local show. We can't take calls. You know, it's going to be tough to to fill a three-hour show when there's no sports going on. But no, we adapt. We got to move on. When you're watching your local news stations right now on television, I don't know about all but most. Uh, I'm friends with quite a few of them in town, and every I love getting on social media. It's kind of fun watching how they are turning their you know spare bedrooms or their kitchens or living rooms or uh, or you know whatever into at-home studios. They're recording everything from home. They are doing their live shots or their pre-recorded shots from home. The weather is being done from home. Like that's what technology does. We are able to adapt. So this very dramatic approach from Adam Schefter I find very weird and very odd and very hypocritical. I look at what he does on a day-to-day basis and say, how is what you cover and report on every day any different than the NFL draft? Why is he so fired up that this draft is happening while there's carnage on the streets? That carnage is going on right now while we are on the air. That carnage is going on, was going on, while he was on SVP Sports Center Special last night. So how come he wasn't against that going on? Why isn't he mad at Sports Center for continuing to air live shots? Why? Why? In fact, he's doing more of a disservice by he's actually at Sports Center because they're doing the show still live from their studios. Most people are, so he's actually with Scott. You know, well, I guess it was teleconference today, but you see my point. Like, why is he doing that? There's, you know, disasters on the streets right now. It was a hypocr- It was it was a it was full of nothing but hypocrisy. Is all it was. Adam Schefter, in my opinion, is annoyed and upset because it's the NFL draft. It's one of the biggest events of the year for the sport that he covers, and usually he has unlimited access to the players, to the coaches, to the GMs. Uh, I mean, all the behind the scenes stuff, and he is very strapped and limited when he is being forced to cover all of that from his kitchen. That to me is where his frustration is coming in, and I don't like that he is masking that his frustration of his limitations to do his job, I feel like that's what he's frustrated with. And he's using that to mask that he cares about this this pandemic that's going on in the world. And I'm sure that he cares about it. But I don't believe that he cares about it to the point that he is just so fired up that the NFL has the has the mindset to, to, to force this, to will this to happen. They're not having to will this to happen. Technology is allowing this to happen. Forcing this to happen would be to continue to set up the stage in Vegas, would be continue to tell the draftees that they could fly out and be live in attendance in Vegas, uh, telling fans that they could still attend in Vegas. Folks, that's forcing the issue. The NFL is not forcing the issue. Everything will be done remotely. Everything will be teleconferenced in. Everyone, you know, you'll get to see Joe Burrow uh, probably FaceTime in through an iPad to give his interview for his career being ruined by being a Bengal, right? Like, I'm just joking, folks. Relax. But you know what I mean? Everything is going to continue to move forward. The draft will happen. Everything will be done through technology, and it'll be just fine. I promise you, it will be just fine. Four five seven nine four six four. Are you surprised? Were you, or are you surprised to learn that Adam Schefter and that there are people out there who are fired up that the NFL is going on with the draft? It's not just Adam Schefter. There is a good chunk of people on social media that I'm very surprised by that want the NFL draft to be postponed. They don't want the draft to go on. They think that it, they, they think that the NFL is tone deaf when it comes to this. They think that the NFL is is it, that they're horrible for continuing to move on with the draft despite everything going on in the world. And I think 
that those people who are claiming that the NFL is tone deaf because of what's going on in the world, I think they are tone deaf. I think that they are missing what the point is here. They are missing out on the fact that the world needs a distraction right now. They need something that is going to make them feel good and be entertained by. That's why you are seeing Netflix thrive right now. You are seeing eSports thrive right now. You are seeing uh, you know, this documentary with Michael Jordan that millions of dollars was put into that was supposed to be released in June. They have cha- they, they've changed their route. They have moved it up to April. That's going to be released here in a few weeks. Why? Because now is the time to strike where people are just looking for anything and everything to, to, to kind of give them a little bit of hope, some distraction. So Adam Schefter, my question to him is, is, is the Michael Jordan documentary being released, is that tone deaf because they're releasing this big-time documentary that everyone wants to watch during a time that there's carnage on the street? That's messed up, man. That's a joke. And I can't believe he's taking that stance. I think that's a foolish one in me. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. We'll take a quick listen to the weather. We'll be back in a few moments. Uh, we'll also get into our interview with ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Justin Kinner back with you here, and uh, I tell you what, the AFC North next year is shaking out to be pretty damn interesting. And it's not because of all the offseason moves that the Cleveland Browns have made to give Baker Mayfield one of the most stacked offensive rosters in all of the National Football League. It's not because the the Cincinnati Bengals and Mike Brown finally decided that they wanted to sit at the adult table and be a real National Football League team, and they're making some kick-ass moves this offseason. It's not because the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting... Big Ben Roethlisberger back, and this is a team that even without Big Ben Roethlisberger missed the playoffs last year by just one game with a third-string quarterback between Mason Rudolph uh, and Doc uh, Hodges, and, and we know that. But they're getting you know Big Ben back. Now, how big is Ben going to be? I mean, if Big Ben is struggling during this uh, little quarantine period like I am, holy moly. Uh, by the way, I started growing out this stupid mustache just to irritate Nora, and uh, it, it's grown in actually darker than I thought and you know it's connected with the goatee and it, it, but I keep gaining all this weight because all I'm doing is eating and eating and eating some more so I'm just sitting down all day and I'm eating all day and I'm gaining weight left and right and I grew up this mustache to have fun well then she pointed out that I look like that you know the episode of the office where uh where Michael Scott oh, oh man he puts the fat suit on what the hell do you watch the office Shay uh yeah a little bit but I don't I couldn't tell you oh the come name on said Come on, I was really relying on you right there. <laughs> Folks, help me out. The episode where he puts the fat suit up, uh, something clump. Oh, I can't remember. That's his uh, fat guy impersonation that he always does. It's driving me nuts. I can't think of it now. Uh, but th- th- that's me. I don't even know where I was going with this. Okay, so yeah, Big Ben Roethlisberger struggling. Yeah, we get it. What are you doing? You looking it up? Message it in, Shay. What, what do you got? It don't, oh, there it is. R- right there. Where was it? We have a shared screen. Just keep scrolling there. Where... Do, 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 do. This is horrible radio. Who cares, Shay? We 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 tried. Don't worry about it. All right. So with that being said, uh, it's going to be an interesting year for the AFC North this year, and it's not for those reasons I just listed right there. And it's not going to be because the Baltimore Ravens have the reigning, you know, MVP and Lamar Jackson. But it is going to be because there is going to be some dynamite that is thrown into the AFC North that could explode at any time. 
We're talking about how the rivalry between the Browns and Bengals could be rejuvenated because of all the offseason moves that both of these organizations have made to put contenders out on the field. You know that the Cleveland Browns are looking to make the playoffs in 2020. I did not think that the Bengals would be in contention for the playoffs in 2020, but now with that extra playoff spot available to kind of give some of those fringe teams a shot, I do believe that the Bengals could potentially be in the mix as well. So you're going to have the Browns and the Bengals both in position to make the AFC North very interesting. The Pittsburgh Steelers are always interesting because they're one of the most storied franchises in the history of the National Football League. Then you have the Baltimore Ravens, who they're the wild card. And here's why. Reports came out earlier today that Lamar Jackson was just playing a little light game of toss. Who is he playing that little light game of toss with? It just so happens to be Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown to Baltimore? Antonio Brown to any team in the National Football League doesn't sound like a smart idea but if Antonio Brown was going to make a return to the NFL it would have to be with an organization that is strong from the top to the bottom that wipes out Cincinnati that wipes out Cleveland obviously not that they would even want him or need him but I'm just giving an example of two teams that are horrific from the top uh, and you just can't have that you need uh, an organization that is going to be structured or well structured and going to have a lot of strength at the top and and work its way down and I believe that that is the Baltimore the Baltimore Ravens fit that mold and I think Lamar Jackson needs a legit weapon like that to complement what he brings to the table. He doesn't have the best arm in the world, but his super freak athleticism and what he could do with his legs alone, I think you add a pass threat like that in Antonio Brown, and now you've added an even more dangerous dynamic to that Ravens offense. An offense that only seems to not work come playoff time, but just literally I mean, just destroys teams during the regular season. And I'm telling you right now, If there's a team out there that's in position to take a risk, to take a chance on Antonio Brown to give him one more shot, it is the Baltimore Ravens. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the chaos in the AFC North? Three of the top wide receivers in all of football, all in that division alone AJ Green in the Bengals, OBJ in the Browns, and potentially Antonio Brown. With the Ravens. Think about what that does. Think about the matchups in the AFC North that that would present. I mean, Lamar Jackson, MVP quarterback, and Antonio Brown against Baker Mayfield and OBJ. Against, you know, you have Antonio Brown going up against his former team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens and Steelers are already one of the most violent rivalries in all of football to begin with. Now you add that element to it. Antonio Brown is going to be mouthy. He's going to be chirping. He's going to be, you know, running his mouth against Big Ben and, and Mike Tomlin and everything. The Ravens and Steelers rivalry would be enhanced even more. Antonio Brown versus OBJ in uh, the Ravens and the Browns matchup. How about that? I mean, Lamar Jackson, MVP quarterback, going up against Baker Mayfield. That's great. That's a great matchup right there. That's a selling point. Every AFC North matchup would be must-see TV. Uh, you know, the Bengals and the Ravens. Antonio Brown, A.J. Green. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I mean, everything is setting up for the perfect storm in the AFC North, and I cannot tell you how excited I am. And I never once would have thought in a million years that the least, the, the, the most least interesting team in the AFC North, the team that I really don't give a 
crap about it at all. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they bore me. Sure, there's the, a little bit of intrigue right there with Big Ben Roethlisberger coming back, and you know that you know that's a well-run organization that uh, you know has done a pretty good job of being able to fill the void of you know missing out, you know losing uh, Le'Veon Bell and losing Antonio Brown in the last couple of years. But I'm telling you right now. The AFC North would be so explosive if that is the case. If the Baltimore Ravens are able to find a way to get Antonio Brown, if they're willing to take a chance, and I think that they should. They have nothing to lose. I think that the Ravens are finally in a position where they have enough confidence in their roster on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that they could take a chance on Antonio Brown. They don't have to break the bank to bring him there. They're basically bringing him in saying, hey, look, it's a no-nonsense you know, tryout here. You know, there's going to be, you know, there is no wiggle room here. You come in here, you play hard, and help us win games, and this is going to work out just fine. But if you become a distraction, we're going to have to move on. Now, I do, th- I think there's going to be way more loops, uh, hoops to this for, you know, for them to jump through. Let's keep in mind too that the NFL has yet to be able to punish Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has not even been able to be punished for his off the field issues because he has not been a a player on an, an active player on a roster for them to be able to get their hands on him. So I think that's a situation now where. It's like it really is going to be a gamble if the Ravens try to get him. But it's a gamble that I think would pay off. I would love to see the AFC North in that position if they were able to go out, if the Ravens were able to go get an Antonio Brown. How cool would that be? Four five seven nine four six four. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio. The phone lines are open again. Uh, we can also uh, take your reaction on social media as well. Twitter is at fourteen ten Kinner at fourteen ten Kinner K I N N E R. Let's go to Charles and Troy. Charles, what's up, man? Hey, man, how you doing? Good. What's up? Uh, so are you in the uh, house again, or do you get out today? Oh, I'm doing the show from home. Again? You didn't go outside at all today to do anything? I mean, I let the dogs out. I go outside to check the mail. I go out to kind of look up at the sky and say, oh, interesting weather we have here. And then I head back in. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you got out and about sometimes just to, to walk just to get out of the house and stuff. Heck no, I, I really enjoy working from home. I'm not going to lie. I was talking with a friend earlier. I said I get way more done at home than I do at the office, and I never thought that would be the case, but it's because I'm not distracted and stopping to talk with coworkers every second of the That's day. That's exactly so. it. You're yeah. distracted. You get distracted. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I just jumped on. I just told him asking what you're talking about. He said you're talking about AFC North. That's all you're talking about today? AFC basically? North right now, mainly because uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, report came out earlier that Lamar Jackson was working out with Antonio Brown. And I said, can you imagine the storylines that would present themselves in the AFC North if you had Lamar Jackson, MVP, along with Antonio Brown going up against his former team, the Steelers, or Baker Mayfield and OBJ against Lamar Jackson uh, and Antonio Brown. I mean, A.J. Green and Joe Burrow against the, the storylines would write themselves, man. The AFC North would be off the charts entertaining at that point. Well, when you look at that AFC North, you got to look at they got all these star wide receivers in that whole league. Plus, they got most of the up and coming hot shot quarterbacks coming up. When you're getting Burrow in there, if the Bengals don't make the trade, I heard that the Bengals might end up trading for the ranch. They might get three first rounds today. Is that true? Have you heard that? The Bengals might get Yeah, I, well, look, you got to pay. The reports are this. The reports are. That the that the Dolphins are looking to trade with the Bengals, right? I and as they should, that should be a report. The Dolphins should be looking to do that. You acquire that many picks, that should be your mo is to do that. I'm not concerned at all, though. And now 
the, the second that I would become concerned is if there's a report out there that the Bengals are dangling the first overall pick out there. Then I would be a little concerned. But right now I'm not concerned at all. I don't even think Mike Brown's that dumb. Some people would disagree. But until the headlines start hinting at, hey, the Bengals are looking to trade back, I wouldn't be concerned. The, right, the, the Dolphins should be looking to, to package all those picks and try to get a Joe Burrow. Well, they should because he's a franchise guy. He's got to be that guy. If, if two is healthy, healthy enough, like you talked about, you're a Tua fan, he's going to be a franchise guy as well. But I don't well, What does that say about back. him? What does that say? I mean, look, getting when you have that many first-round draft picks, I mean, that's that's huge. What does that say about Tua that the that all of a sudden, I keep calling him the Ravens. What does that say about Tua that the Dolphins would rather get rid of all of their first-round picks to get Joe Burrow than to get Tua, which I think is a 1A and 1B type move, and keep your other draft picks. That that should alarm some people about Tua, including me, about what they're not liking and what they really like about Burrow. Well, I think that the Dolphins are in a win-now situation. They're, like, they've actually done a really good job in free agency. Plus, Ryan Fitzpatrick says he's a winner. They're going to win games. Plus, that division's almost wide open right now with, with Brady being gone. Don't get me wrong, the Patriots crush they're going to win the division. But when you think about it, Dolphins are right there. Dolphins are played well at the end last year, but you mean, but that was after they tanked the first half. Well, they did play. Well, I don't know. I, I, the reason I don't believe, I think that they structurally tanked. Uh, they got rid of all of their elite talent. Uh, but you had Fitzpatrick at quarterback, so you had like a veteran guy that you knew was capable of at least winning you a game or two. So I don't think that they went in full-on tank mode in, in regards to trying to lose, but I do believe they, they did their best to, to make sure that they weren't fully equipped to go out and compete. But again, that just shows you how good a coach that they have because they were able to go out and compete and win games. They played their way out of the number one overall pick down the stretch, and you got to give them credit. But that's why I hate the draft setup. I hate that you reward bad teams. I hate that the Bengals were an embarrassment to all of, of football, and they get rewarded with Joe Burrow while a team like the Dolphins gets punished. I don't like that that setup, to be honest with you. No, neither do I. I don't think that's fair, but that's just the way it's traditionally been with the NFL, and it's kind of sad that they don't go to like a different format. But, uh, no, that, said, that does say volumes about Tua right now. Hey, the Dolphins aren't all in. He's, he's injury-prone. Are they wanting to spend the fifth pick on a guy who's might not be ready for like a year, maybe a year and a half? I don't know. Like, I mean, Justin Herbert, I don't know. I watched that guy. I watched some of his games this year. I watched uh, his pro day, his uh, pro day and stuff. And that guy's an athlete. I mean, he used to say he might not need to be that guy. I heard that he's jumping up boards as well. But so is the love guy, the brand, the, uh, the guy from Utah State. Yeah, that's, so uh, it looks like the Chargers are, are really interested in him and looking to, uh, you know, go that route too. Uh, talking about the love kids, so who knows? Um, bottom line is, is that I, Joe Burrow. The difference between everyone else, all of those other guys are probably real capable of being able to play the quarterback position at a high level in the NFL. But none of them have the it factor that is going to generate buzz and excitement like Joe Burrow, which is why the Bengals have to take him. Uh, it's not like Tua is the only available quarterback, and we're talking about trading on from him. Joe Burrow is dollar is money. He is money to the Bengals. He is asses and seats, and that's very important if you're. Oh, that's down. huge. That's huge right there. Yep. Real quick, and I'll let you go. Okay. You're good. Who's the two places that you think, like, um, my son and I were debating today, um, where's Jameis Winston going to go, and where's Cam Newton going to go? And I'll tell you where he said, and I'll tell you where I said. I said, um, Winston's probably going to go to Steelers. This is sit behind Big Ben for a year. Stable franchise. Mike Tomlin's a good coach. I feel like Winston would fit in a place like that. 
just to, to learn, it's a winning culture, things of that sort. Stuff that he's hasn't been used to since college. And I said Cam Newton's probably going to go to Chargers. And uh, just for the fact that they're in a good setup, they're in a win-now situation. Um, AFD, no, you're wrong, they have to compete against Denver. And Oakland's better. KC's in there. But Cam Newton could be the piece that they're needing as well. Um, then he had him like flip-flop. He thought, hey, he thought Winston would go out there, and then the Chargers wouldn't use that pick for a quarterback. And he thought that Ben, he thought Cam Newton would go to Pittsburgh to kind of like unseat Big Ben because they could mention hurt. But so it's Newton. So it's like an open competition there. What do you think? I, I think Cam Newton is, is, I would not be surprised at all if Cam Newton doesn't play football at all in 2020. Uh, I think that the market dried up for him, and I don't think I think he's has too much of an ego to go play for a minimum anything somewhere. However, don't be surprised. Like let's say Big Ben gets hurt early in the season, he makes a ton of sense in Pittsburgh, and I think knowing how Pittsburgh works, a seamless transition, it would go right into Cam, and they'd be you know continuous Super Bowl contenders all the time. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But I think Cam Newton, if he does end up with the team, ends up with Washington. Um, you know, I know that it's Dwayne Haskins' job right now, but I'm not sold on Dwayne Haskins in Washington. Cam Newton's played for Ron Rivera. That would make sense there. But I like Winston to the Steel, uh, Winston to the Steelers. I think that could make a lot of sense as well as you mentioned. Uh, I think that's just a good you know, backup plan for him and a future starter uh, if Big Ben doesn't pan out longer than a year. Well, you got to realize, like, hey, somebody. I'm not comparing this James Winston to the person, but uh, Steve Young had a horrible start to his career when he played for Tampa Bay. Okay, didn't play very well at all. Okay. 49ers picked him up. I don't know if they traded for him or not, but he sat behind Joe Montana for a couple of years. Next thing you know, he had a Hall of Fame career. I'm not saying that's Jameis Winston by no means, but that could be the same kind of setup for him if he goes somewhere, he learns. Don't get me wrong, Steve Young didn't always like having to sit behind Joe Montana, but it was a good learning experience for him. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers didn't want to sit behind Brett Favre. Nobody wants to sit. Everybody wants to play, but... But everyone's situation is different. Like, Cam Newton yeah. is a starter. Aaron Rodgers came into the league. I mean, he was drafted number 24 overall. And, right. and the Packers were not looking to draft a quarterback that year. They were picking number 24. The only reason they picked Aaron Rodgers is because Aaron Rodgers was projected to be a top 10 pick, and somehow he yeah. fell all the way back to 24. That's exactly. why, the, that's yeah. why the, pa- the Packers had to take him. They would have been foolish not to. Uh, and that kind of fast-forwarded the, the moving-on process from the Packers and Brett Favre. But, yeah, if he would have gone the way he's where he should have in the top ten, the Packers would not have taken a quarterback that year. So it's all so situational. I totally it's all it situational. Is, it is. It's like what people – it's kind of like right now it's going to be like a, such an unsure draft just for the fact that these teams aren't going to be able to see these guys' pro days at their, at their, um, their, their days at their schools. and They're not going to be doing extra interviews, and they're not going to be able to do this. But you know you're wrong. Like technology has come so far with being able people to be able to see each other and communicate and things of that sort. All they gotta do is Skype or FaceTime or whatever just to see these guys. Does that make sense anymore, I guess? No, I, I don't know. Absolutely, but I also think that sometimes when you have that much information, you have way too much information to talk yourself out of something. And well, I think sometimes you got to go back to old school and just kind of go with your gut. I mean, you the basics of all sports are the same, and sports existed a long time before all of these, you know, before technology just totally took over everything. I'm not saying it's a good thing. More information is always better, but it's not like they're that... I, I don't think they're at a disadvantage because one year they're not going to have full access to everything that they're normally used to having. So Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is this is kind of funny when you think about that. Okay, number six pick was Jim Brown, okay? So that tells you right there that everybody, every system's flawed, right? So when Jim Brown came out and got drafted, 
was the number six pick. And he's probably the greatest player of all time. So that shows you right there that <laughs> things happen. Let's say, hey, this year, number six pick could be Herbert. He could be the best player in this draft. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a crapshoot at this point. And it's like if, if they go in, if Joe Burrow goes in and the Bengals are doing what they're doing right now by spending money and trying to make things better, he could have a great career. But on the other hand, it could turn into a fire sale if they start to do that and start to lose, and then they trade all those guys on one-year contracts. Yep. Let's just let's hope not for his sake, because he's a good kid. I think you like you're right. He's got to put butts in the seats. That's what the big ones need. So, but. all right. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm actually walking my dog as I'm talking to you. It's really nice outside. So, yeah. No kidding. But all right. Hey, great hearing from you, man. Take care. Be safe. See ya. All right. Bye. All right. Let's go to Ron and Tip. Uh, Ron, what's up, man? How are you? How you doing, Justin? Good. What you got? You said you want to talk AFC North as well. Yeah, I do. Um, but I- I'm thinking. If the Bengals can get three first-round picks from the Dolphins, they would be stupid not to take that. I'm saying, how many times have you seen the number one pick quarterback flop? I mean, I mean, we've seen Burrow. He had an outstanding season. But you only seen him do it one year. You know what I mean? I mean, the first year he didn't do it. I know he had learned the system. But if they could get picks like that, I mean... Why wouldn't you not trade for it? Uh, if they had a... I, I see what you're saying. Look, Common Sense says the more draft picks you have, especially in the first round, the better. You can improve your team quicker that way. But the Bengals did something I did not think they would do, and that was address a lot of their issues in free agency, which really closed the gap on the, the margin for error to improve the team quicker. They are so much better right now before even going into the draft. But the number one thing that they need is, and it's not just that they need, like when they got Andy Dalton, they needed a quarterback, and they got a quarterback. Andy Dalton could play quarterback okay. He wasn't the greatest. He wasn't the worst. But what you cannot afford is to go get a Justin Herbert and go through the Andy Dalton stage all over again. Justin Herbert has the tools to be an Andy Dalton where he's good enough to win you some games, but he just doesn't have that it factor. You have a chance to go get a guy in Joe Burrow that has that it factor. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that come out where you just feel like that's the guy, that he can do it, that he is the guy. That's Joe Burrow, and the Bengals aren't in this position often. As much as I knock them and say how bad they are, they haven't had the number one pick in quite some time. So I think they got to take advantage of this. you got to take Joe Burrow. He's bigger than just what he can do for you on the field. It's what he can do for you off the field, and that's generate buzz, generate excitement, make people believe in the Bengals and put asses in seats. Joe Burrow is bigger than just the X's and O's at this point. That's why they have to take him no matter what the Dolphins throw their way. But I do understand your point. You're not wrong. I just think this is a situational thing that leads to them having to ignore it is all. I mean, but look at the Bengals' jinx on first-round quarterbacks, Klingler, Keely Smith. I mean, they just throw them in. The, and you're like you were talking about starting to – you're paying all the guy that money. You want to put him in the fire right away to fill seats and stuff. But but here's why if, – if like, let's say Joe Burrow ends up being a bust. Sure, Bengals will look bad for it, but they shouldn't look bad for it because they're going to end up taking a guy that – the Dolphins would take if they had the number one overall pick. Uh, the Redskins would take if they had the number one overall pick. The Patriots would take. No matter who had the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow is the guy that they were going to take. So I don't like when people hold the team's feet to the fire and say, "Oh, look, you know, of course the Bengals, you know, didn't didn't get it right." How do you not get it right when you picked what everyone else in the room was going to pick too? So, um, like I thought, the the Browns taking Baker Mayfield that was a risk, and they deserve every bit of criticism that they get if he does not pan out next. 
next year. But as far as Joe Burrow, if he doesn't pan out, sure, it's not going to look good for the Bengals, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to blame the Bengals if Joe Burrow doesn't pan out because anyone that has this number one overall pick would take Joe Burrow, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, but, like, why, why wouldn't you go free agency? Look at um, Tannehill. He didn't do worth a crap down in Miami. He goes to Tennessee. He gets him in the, what, AFC championship? Kind of. He, I mean, he, he was the quarterback of the team that got there. I mean, he, he didn't make mistakes. Uh, he didn't Look, you saw his flaws when they got to the AFC title game. I mean, he wasn't a guy that was able to go will his team to a Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm not a big Tan Hill guy. I didn't buy into that. I think, I think right. they overpaid for him, to be honest with you. Jameis Winston, that's a guy out there. I, I don't want the Bengals to get him, but uh, I think he's, he's a victim of the market right now. But I think if he's patient, plays his cards right, he could find himself being a starter again in 2021. Well, I'm going to finish with this. I, I cannot see him not going to Jacksonville or San Diego. you got Minshew. Uh, Minshew, they're putting all their chips in. They put Tyrod Taylor the starter. I mean, come on. I mean, are them guys your man? You no, know? Tyrod. Ta- oh, no, Tyrod Taylor is not the guy. He's the guy for right now. But they're most likely going to draft the love kid. Uh, the Chargers are, and look, they they're in that same boat. They have to draft a quarterback that's going to generate buzz and excitement to get asses in seats. They're going to be debuting in L.A. this year. They have to have some kind of draw, and Tyrod Taylor is not it. As far as the Jaguars go. That's a team earlier. I forgot to say this. Charles asked me where he thought I could see Cam Newton going. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars try to get through the draft, see what they end up with, see what they have left. I wouldn't. Be, I could see Cam Newton playing in Jacksonville next year as the starter. I would take him over Minshew or any of those guys, especially since they moved on from Nick Foles. Yeah, so your mustache looks just like his, right? Exactly. Just, you know, not as cool. So. All right, man. I'll let you go. Talk to you later, buddy. Adios, Ron. Take care, man. Four five seven nine four six four. We'll have more of the Justin Kinner Show next. Hi, there's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the Tax Pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Justin Kenner show. So right now, with no live sports going on, a lot of brands out there are trying to come up with creative ways to uh, keep the conversation going, uh, just to be able to create some intriguing content. And what we're seeing now, look, it's, I mean, Pete Rose is the face of the Cincinnati Reds franchise, hand de- hands down. And I don't care what your opinion is about him right now, you know, for his off-the-field issues. I'm not saying I don't care about those things. I do. I think they should play a role, but they have never played a role in the love affair that Pete Rose and the Reds fan base have had since the beginning of time. Uh, I mean, Pete Rose has been the face of the Reds organization from the beginning of time, and rightfully so. 
and rightfully so. When you talk about Reds baseball around the country, if you just say Pete Rose, people know who you're talking about. Non-baseball fans know who Pete Rose is. Non-Reds fans know who Pete Rose is. Non-baseball fan, if you go to Portland, Oregon, and ask a random fan on the street or non-fan, hey, so uh, what do you think about Joey Votto? I promise you, if you ask ten strangers in Portland, Oregon, about Joey Votto, I, I'd be surprised if three of them even know who the hell he was. And that's not a shot at Joey Votto. That's just common sense and the reality of it. So the fact that Joey Votto knocked off Joe Morgan and Pete Rose is freaking laughable. Because this is a popularity contest. This isn't a who's better. And even then, I'm probably not taking Joey Votto over Pete Rose. And I'm not taking Joey Votto over Joe Morgan. Sorry, I'm just not. And I know there's a lot of you out there who are getting your little stat nerd calculators out and you're coming up with all these equations and, and you have all these charts on your wall that you've already pinned up to prove your point. Save it. I don't care. You're not changing my mind. Um, so I thought that the, the Cincinnati Reds poll was pointless. I thought that it was a given. Of course, it's it's Pete Rose. Pete Rose was not the the winner, and Shea will talk about that coming up in a, in a minute. But the, the poll on ESPN about the greatest college basketball player of all time, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, I mean, Lou Alcindor. I mean, there's no question about that either. Why is Michael Jordan's face in a North Carolina jersey listed as the best college basketball player of all time? This was a waste of everyone's time. I didn't need to, I didn't need to watch those specials on ESPN. I didn't need to check out these social media polls to know who the greatest college basketball player is of all time. Because, hell, they did it on social media and still got it wrong. I mean, period. So I, it's just one of those things. that it's a, I, I get why they're doing it. It's to keep the conversation going. But you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's not even close. Look, the guy won eight. He was he only lost twice in his entire college career, 88-2. and two. He's a three-time champion, three-time player of the year. He was the college GOAT, period. No questions asked. I don't understand this at all. I will t- Michael Jordan is not the greatest of all time in college basketball. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, period. Pete, uh, and Johnny Bench and Joey Votto and those guys that were all a part of the final, they're not... They're, no, they're not more popular than Pete Rose. Not even close. Well, Johnny Bench and I've always said this, like if the you know Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and Barry Larkin, like I think that there's small gaps between each one as, as as the popularity, but I still don't think that the gap is that large between Pete Rose and everyone else. Period. Let's close it out with uh, John, John and Kettering. What's up, John? Hey guys, how you doing? Good yourself. Uh, not too bad. Hey, I got way in this Pete Rose uh, uh, thing and everything. All right, first of all, the, the problem with Pete Rose is he's a jerk, and he's still a jerk to this day. Uh, my dad collects baseball cards. He's got a he's got like a, a rookie card, a genu- genuine rookie card of Pete Rose, and the Pete Rose card is torn to hell, and it's still <laughs> worth a lot of money. And the reason all those rookie cards are worth a lot of money is because they're all torn to hell, and they're still worth a lot of money because everyone that had a Pete Rose tore him all to hell. And he's been to a lot of uh, card shows. He's dealt with him for a long time. And uh, he sh- he shows up every single time with, you know, with the same attitude. You know, I didn't, you know, with, you know, with plausible deniability on his part with a girl in his arm charging way too much for autographs. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that's just his M.O., 
meanwhile, you got good old Johnny Bench, you know, you know, showing up at, at every car show, being the nicest guy ever. You got Joe Morgan, Mr. Nice Guy, and Joey Votto on, you know, MLB TV, and he's just the nicest guy in the world and the funniest guy in the world when he's, you know, on screen, who's just hilarious. That's why people in, in Red's country love these guys. And Pete Ro Rose is just this jerk that no one wants to deal with anymore and that's where i gotta disagree with you you know it might not be that he's the all-time greatest hitter i mean i'm not gonna argue with you there but man it's not just you know he just denies any wrongdoing and what he's done and he's just a jerk and no but, one likes john with jerks but no john you're not wrong he has always denied that and then he comes out and says okay yeah i did bet on baseball but then he'll go on to still you know plead his case to get into the hall of fame which whatever that's his prerogative right uh, but the things you've said about him have been said about him for years but he has always been the darling of the of the reds fan base um i do believe over the last year people have soured on him more than i could think of, of throughout any other time in history but i still think he's up there and this isn't even about this bracket but your point's interesting i just don't hear too much of those points from too many fans i hear it a lot from media i hear it a lot from former players but uh from fans it's like he's always grinning with fans because they're usually giving him a hundred dollar bill to get an autograph as you mentioned so oh of my course, gosh, man, of course he's smiling <laughs> The guy's the guy's the main jerk. That's the problem with the guy. So I, I don't know. I just saw that way in there. But have a good day and uh, 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 stay safe out there. All right. Hey, you too, John. I appreciate your call and your take, man. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Good stuff. So. I tell you what, this conversation is going to continue. Shay Neal has uh, Wing Reds Live coming up. Uh, Wing Reds Live is something we started last year uh, when we had live Reds games. And we don't have re live Reds games, but I, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, Shay, the show must go on. That's the one thing we've tried to do around here is, like, we're just going to keep on going you know, status quo as is, uh, no matter what. So that's what we're trying to do here is just kind of keep some kind of normalcy. Like I said, keep in mind, beginning Friday night and moving forward uh, until we get into regular season baseball, every Friday night, tune in at 7 o'clock for our Wing Reds Classic, our Wing Reds Classic. Tomorrow I will reveal which Reds Classic game we will be airing on Friday night at 7. Uh, so we will at least be able to have that Reds, Reds on radio, Marty Brenneman calling the game type of feel here on on the station, so I know that's what that's what a lot of people are looking forward to. At least just getting that taste of it. Um, so keep that in mind. Wing Reds live with Shade Neal talking about the Reds fan favorite poll and results and whether you agree, disagree, and whatever else is on Shade Neal's mind regarding Reds baseball. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Right here on Dayton's home of the Reds, fourteen ten ESPN Radio.